What's going on, boys, girls, NBs? This is the Eat, Sleep, Elite, Repeat podcast, your weekly AEW Makedown file. And what's going on? I'm the digital loop. They call me the digital phantom. This is my buddy, Charlie. How's it going there, pal? Chaz, Chaz, Chaz. Doing, I, I would say doing absolutely wonderful. Uh, we had some good wrestling this week. We had the uh, uh, the Royal Rumble this week. And, you know, we're... we're In Toronto, are your major yeah, one we, champions, yeah. We had our, our Call of Duty major this week. And now we got the Senior Bowl kicking off this... The upcoming week. So I, I think it's pretty good right now to be just an all-around sports. But that was that linebacker we looked at that we were just, like, a fucking in love with. That linebacker that's, like, the top prospect or whatever. Like, Dude, everything I'm reading, he's crushing it. Edgar and Cooper. Oh. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, fucking, we were just watching him, and it's like, dude is like, he's final, bro. He was, like, out there, and it, it didn't feel like there was other people on the field sometimes. Like, <laughs> literally. that's literally, it's literally what it felt like. Dude's literally the entire defense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're that good, though, you know. Um, but, yeah, no, we had, we had a really good stuff to talk about this week. We got some favorites. I'll be, I'll be kicking us off with regards to that. We had some crazy stuff that went down this week though the wrestling world got turned on its head again like it always does at this point in the year and i know that sounds weird to say but it does feel like at the beginning of the year here's when we get some giant shakeups i want to say it was toward the beginning of the year when we heard the first stuff about vince that we'll get into a little bit but you know we had adam copeland taking on minora suzuki which i mean fucking was that on your bingo card no the fuck it was not you know like um i mentioned the vince mcmahon you know being being you know out of tko and the lawsuit and um, and the fact that there's no McMahons in the WWE right now, which is, I, I don't think I thought was going to happen in my lifetime. Um, Royal Rumble, we, we did actually watch it. We, I actually watched the whole thing, which was only because I found out it was like four matches and I was like, shit, I mean, I can sit through two Royal Rumbles and two pretty decent matches, you know? Um, Absolutely. we had an escape the cage elimination match, whatever the fuck that means on collision, which was really good, but I just don't know what the fuck elimination escape the cage means. <laughs> Like, like the, okay, the reason why I say that is because in normal traditional steel cage tag team matches, it is just how that works anyway. You know what I mean? So calling it an elimination one, I guess they're just trying to differentiate. Maybe it makes it more clear. You're not really being, I mean, I guess you are being eliminated. Whatever, whatever. It's that's, I'm glad I mentioned that here because now we don't have to talk about that when we talk about this match. Um, we have Ring of Honor, Dynamite, Rampage, Collision, all those results. Got some weekly news for y'all. And yeah, so let's jump into favorites, you know? Um, honestly, Charlie, there was a lot of really good stuff this week. I mean, I we say that every week, but I mean, it's genuinely true a lot of the time when we do say it. So I don't feel yeah. weird saying that at all. You know what I mean? Um, there, you know, there's going to be, uh, a little bit of, um, I guess I'm going to call it uh, a little bit of bias here for me. Cause you know, y'all, y'all know I have my favorites in this company and in general in wrestling. And, uh, one of them is Adam Copeland. Um, and he took on Minoru Suzuki this week in the Cope Open. And first of all, I'm glad that, that, that we can have random, just absurdly good wrestlers be a part of this. And it's not just up and young coming up and coming young talent and stuff like that. Obviously give those people opportunities, but, um, I do like that they're, they're taking it more. I, I guess like they're just making it like, it feels like remember when Brian was doing this like a couple of years ago when Brian first got the AW and he was just wrestling everyone in the fucking, I mean, I guess he still kind of is wrestling everyone on the planet, but like he was doing it more aggressively then, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. this feels like the same energy from Adam Copeland to me. Um, I don't know though. I, I, I really did enjoy what they did out here. I think the, they had some really thunderous hard hitting chops and forearms, which I, when I, when, as soon as this match kicked off and he started throwing forearms with Suzuki, I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Adam Copeland is in on this. And he's not even, he's literally like, Oh, 
But yeah, so but, but basically what I'm getting at is I hope this isn't the only one like this in this run of matches that he's going on with the Cope Open. Like, throw a couple other veterans in there. Hell, drag this out to another pay-per-view. I mean, you got till March anyway. But I mean, like, drag this out as long as you can because there's plenty of opportunity here to get Adam Copeland some really good matches out of the way as well as giving people opportunities and showing off some of the crazy international talent AEW has access to, you know? Fucking throw him against Mystico next. I don't care. Throw him against... Throw him against... I don't know. Everybody, do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought the match was really good overall. Yeah, like like I said, the the, the surrealness of this match. It's kind of hard to get to pay. I, I was paying attention, but I I do. It was so surreal that I was just like, it was kind of the same thing with the Brian Danielson Eugene uh, Eugene Nagata match. You know what I mean? Like, it's you, you're like these matches are so insane that we're having them in 2024, and it's like I just I I I get lost in this all sometimes, man. Um, so we had the. We had the turnbuckle that was exposed at one point by uh, Copeland, which he then used to uh, weaken Suzuki, which he then turned into a excuse me into a kill switch, which is obviously a message signed, sealed, delivered to Christian Cage. Um, he cuts a little bit of promo after he's like, "Bro, songs have ever been hit in my life." <laughs> Tries to give respect to Suzuki. Suzuki's like not having it, which uh, that's probably for the best for Suzuki's character. You know what I mean? Um, I'm glad Suzuki didn't just hang up the Spurs last year when when he got rid of Suzuki Goon. Like, did you see the, the image from him and his Noah takeover with fucking? Uh, I think it's Noah they're taking over. Um, that that image of him with like a fucking pile of belts in front of him from his, from his current Suzuki Goon faction. Like that that's crazy. And if that was from a couple of years ago, that's even crazier. Like you know what I mean? Like. Um, Absolutely, and uh, it, God, did he deliver, huh? Yeah, and he's still coming out to Christian Cage. That him being, of course, pronouns pal uh, Adam Copeland. You know, um, he's still going after Christian Cage. Like I said, though, drag this out. I think there's some opportunity here. So, Charlie, just let me know what you thought about this match. I know, I know, you were really high on this going into the weekend after you saw yeah. it. So, uh, tell me what you thought. Yeah, uh, I I think it was put in a, in a good spot on the show. You know, being the dynamite main event, they did a good job hyping it up all night. And right away, I'm with you. When Adam Copeland started just getting in there, throwing forearms at Minoru Suzuki, I'm like, yeah, well, this is the kind of match we were really hoping it would be. I'm just, I'm in love with what Adam Copeland's doing in AEW. It's it's still a little surreal. I think he's the most surreal since Danielson to join this company. And um, every time he's out there, it's just like, I, I never thought we'd see this, right? And, and Minoru Suzuki, someone I've been following for years, it's just, kind of this anomaly of who beats the living shit out of people. Uh, there's a great match that's on YouTube from last year where Minoru Suzuki wrestles uh, Robert Martyr and I. If you guys haven't seen that, just just go check that out. I mean, that's... And if you like that match, then go watch the other match on YouTube of his against Brian Danielson from a pre-show for a pay-per-view, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and... Um, maybe it was a pre-show for a TV show. Anyway, the point is... Minoru is just loving coming to America and beating the crap out of people, and... You know, Murder Grandpa and Adam Copeland definitely delivered here. And, you know, I, I thought there was a chance it, certain things in this match might feel a little odd, you know, but it never did. And they are it, both old, you know. Yeah, it, it, but it never did. And I th- I think that's a testament to just how great each other are. And No, nah, bro, I've decided officially after this week, old Japanese guys are built different unless they're the ones that just no, specifically they, they wrestle in New are. Japan. Because they tend to phone it in in New Japan because they know they can because the fans love them. They don't have to do everything, you know what I mean, that they did in their careers. They've done that already. But they can come here and do that stuff and it gets a pop because people have not seen it, you know? like Oh, definitely. So, yeah, like you said, the post-match microphone was nice. Uh, Suzuki, you know, 
uh, just just growling at him and walking away was a nice little touch. And um, yeah, again, we're further establishing Adam Copeland and Christian Cage, which I think you know is going to be easily able to, to <laughs> run at a uh, Revolution. God, Revolution is looking so fucking good, man. I mean, seriously, Revolution. Oh, I can is already tell special. you though because it's being booked around the like the two biggest stories going into this are Adam Copeland versus Christian Cage and Sting's retirement. And that Ric Flair is going to probably be involved in that because we haven't really seen him do much, you know? Like, I, they're going to call this the old man pay-per-view. I already am calling it now. They're going to call it AEW is all Let the him, fucking... Bro. Oh, they, they will, though. They'll yeah. be like, oh, it's all former WWE stars on top of this card, blah, 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 blah. And, and we'll probably get the Joe Swerve and Hangman match and, God, that you match know, is Roger fuck. Strong, Orange That Cassidy. match is going to fuck, Charlie. Oh, it is. And, um... Deanna Perrazzo, Tony Storm's looking like it. Like, uh, this revolution is being booked so far out, fucking finally. But Julia Hart, Thunder Rosa also is being teased, it feels yep. like. Oh, dude, come on. Give me all these matches. I, I, I think we're bringing some heat to revolution. And, you know, just another another match here in in this kind of the Western story that we're telling with Copeland. You know, AEW likes doing these. So... It works. That's true, actually. AEW does like their Western vibes. The, the Mandalorian, the Westerns, if you will, they like to just each each episode. It's 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 a new fucking. No, we we gotta have a tag team of Hangman and, and Takeshita now that get that fucking cowboy samurai fucking vibe going. You know, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so for my favorite, we're gonna we're gonna take a trip over to Saturday night where it's all right for a fight, and um, we're we're doing the returning Serena Deeb here. Um. Uh, Serena Deeb had her return match for the first uh, for first time in the ring since 2022, where she faced off against Robin Renegade, who, if you guys have been followers of the show for a long time, uh, by by Renegade stock, uh, these these girls are incredible. Um, so this is a really cool spot for Robin. Uh, they they said Collision debut on the graphic. Tony Schiavone kept saying over and over how she'd been on Collision like three times. I don't know if he meant just AEW in general or if she has been on Collision. No, no. She's been out since so, October of 2022. No, no, no. Uh, Renegade. Oh, Robin? Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I would have to fact She might have been on Rampage, but she might have been. The graphic and Shivani were kept telling us different things. So, but. Wouldn't be the first time. That's a, yeah, exactly. Uh, Sarita Deeb, I think uh, the proof is in the pudding right away that the, um, the video packages worked. She got a great reaction. She had the pyro. Her entrance looks beautiful. She's touting that flag. You know, Serena Deeb's dojo. Deeb's she's, dojo. Getting, she's getting welcome back chance. And right away, I, I I was brought back to memory of of why I became such a fan of Serena Deeb and her her run in 2022, especially in AEW. Just she t- the way she hits the mat, the way she's uh, working the legs, you name it. She's got a full Nelson going like. Everything she does is so smooth. And then then you remember, like, yeah, she was a trainer for NXT and all these great women that went through NXT and have become some of the best women's wrestlers today. Well, look who was one of their big trainers. It was Serena Deeb. Um, God, they, they had that NXT era was fucking special. Uh, Jesus. Um, but I just, you know, for me, the whole my, for it being my favorite, it's not only it uh, the big part of it's the return. And I thought the match was perfectly fine. I really enjoyed it. And Nigel did a fucking phenomenal job telling the story of why she sets up her finisher the way she does. And that's that's something 
Nigel's fucking special at, right? So she ends up uh, hitting the detox. She locks in the serenity lock for the victory. She grabs the mic. She cuts a promo talking about, damn, it feels good to be back in the ring. She came back to elevate the division, put the wrestling back in all elite wrestling, and to become a champion. Uh, Going forward, she puts the locker room on notice that the professor was back. I just thought this was a really well done segment, and I I really loved it. And having Deanna Perrazzo joining AEW, and now Sabrina Deeb, and, you know, potentially Mercedes on the horizon. What a fucking, what a little uh, injection into the women's division. That's not even counting Mariah May, who just joined. Like, yeah, the women's division is looking is, healthy right I, I'm now. I'm very optimistic right now. And and I think just as a whole, the way the women were presented on Collision, again, is a step up from what it was just six weeks ago. So, yeah, uh, any any thoughts on this and, and just the vibes now, having Serena Deeb fully back? And she looked phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Um, this is definitely like one I'm glad to have back because she was kind of like you mentioned, she was kind of on a little bit of a roll when we last saw her and it was kind of cut short because I, you know, injuries, so on and so forth. But like, it's, it's great that we get to have her back now because you know what happens when people get, you know, in the middle of a run like that and then get cut off, they always come back hungrier. So she's going to be hungry and she's going to be looking to wrestle lots of really good wrestlers. Um, uh, do I think she's going to win a championship anytime soon? It really depends on how they're feeling about uh, Julia's title reign. I could see her winning that off of Julia, you know, maybe. Because um, it does feel like they didn't do anything to, like, they just sort of leaned into the fact that she was going to sort of be a face coming back, even though when she left, I believe she was a heel. Um, I mean, she could always lean back into that. I have no idea what the plans are. Literally next week, she could come out and be like, I didn't need any of you. You know, that could literally happen. But um, yeah, but I don't think that will necessarily. I think I think... Actually, I would have to do a quick check. I don't even know how many what the breakdown of baby faces to heels in the women's division is right now. But I'm, I'm glad they put Robin in this spot. She got a couple of matches uh, solo this week. They've been booking her without her sister lately, which I don't know what that uh, spells for Charlotte. Um, hopefully, not bad things because I think she also has a lot of potential too. But um, you know, if we're just going to have one of the Renegades, Robin's probably the one I would pick. Um, but I don't think we should like parse it like that. I think we should literally have them both and then just. They can do singles too. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's mo- definitely a confidence thing with Robin in singles, or maybe Charlotte. Oh yeah, it could be that too. We don't actually yeah. know, and it's you know either way. Uh, oh, she did a really good job here, and uh, you know I liked I liked uh, Serena's promo after the afterward. Uh, I'm you know I, I'm in that cautiously cautiously optimistic stage. I like to stay in in a lot of wrestling stuff because like I just don't know uh if this is gonna work out i do remember the last time she did something with a story against uh was it against hikaru shida it was fucking incredible and it was one of the best feuds of that pay-per-view cycle so so yeah, much so i think that ran it back at another pay-per-view cope open right now like it was it yep, was open challenges yeah. week after week and what was it called she had a cool name for it i can't remember um yeah it was just some type of open challenge um, yeah it was, she, she was but there was like a gimmick to it i forget what it was like you had to last a certain amount of time with her or something like that yeah. i don't remember it was good though i remember that was really good and then she to beat her in it and then you know and then they had a big ass story that blew off of like a street fight or something it was good stuff um and i remember us saying at the time like i didn't expect this to be like one of the things we were liking the most right now but they, two of them just went out there and, and did the damn thing you know so yeah yeah give me give me more serena d you know if she could, she could be a weekly wrestler on this show, hundred percent, without a shadow of a doubt. Yep. So, yeah, guys, that's it for our favorites this week. Um, we got a decent chunk of news here. We got some big stuff that's uh, in the news for sure. So, you know, let's kick it off with something a little fun, and that was uh, a Tony Khan, uh, Tony Khan tweet this week where 
He he said 2024 AEW is the next 2021 AEW. Now, I think we all have a, a general feeling what that probably means in the year that uh, 2021 AEW is when he got all the the big money signings that he went out and got. Uh, most notably, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, CM Punk. You name it, he what a fucking trio to bring in, right? Um, there was also some good returns there. Uh, and you, you you can expect returns of MJF, Adam Cole, Bandito, Ray Phoenix, Pac, Britt Baker. Like These are all big players that should be returning soon. So, needless to say, I think that uh, spells well for Okada and Mercedes, hopefully, uh, to be in AEW. And, yeah, just gotta, gotta keep an eye on it. Gotta play it as it comes, because... Holy shit. Would that be pretty cool? That would be pretty but, fucking But cool. I thought Okada was going to be in the Rumble. Hey. Didn't happen. We'll be getting to the Rumble here in a minute, too. Um, So, what else we got? Uh, Hiromu Takahashi has re-signed with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Finally, some good news in the contracts department. Um, There was a, a Okamoto... Uh, released the news article saying breaking news Hiromu Takahashi was contract was renewed today um, and yeah that's pretty much it it I good, think good signing by, by the new press yes and you know Hiromu Takahashi if they're boys I'm not surprised at all I could totally see them yeah. being boys you know what I mean like Hiromu Takahashi and Mustafa Ali at Windy City Riot is going to be f- Oh, it's going to be a fucking movie. That's going to be a match of the year candidate. It's going to be sure. a fucking movie. And yeah. Um, let's do this Vince shit before the rumble. All right. So if you guys, unless you quite literally haven't seen anything in wrestling, unless week, you live under a rock underneath another rock, you probably heard about this. I had people that don't watch wrestling messaging me about this. Cause I knew I cover wrestling. Yeah, so w- there was a Wall Street lawsuit this week involving Vince McMahon, and the allegations are beyond fucked up. And this is, I mean, we're talking uh, sexual uh, sexual assault, sex trafficking, physical and emotional abuse, and these, these there's a fucking 73-page uh, uh, lawsuit that you can read that posted in full. And basically, this all came out from a broken NDA where Vince McMahon stopped paying the NDA. And the person that was under it was no longer, you know, uh, signed to that contract. And that's where your lawsuit comes from. So The arrogance to not pay. My God. Yeah. And, you know, something that I think makes this all so much more real and, and should really open everyone's eyes. This isn't something that happened 30 years ago. This isn't 40 years ago. This was less than three years ago in 2020. This was happening. This this just happened. And not that it makes it any worse or any, you know, whatever. If it happened, no, it just goes to ago, show you how fucking much confidence they had but, they could continue to get away with this because they were still doing it right up until when I guarantee people are starting to get rumors and vibes that this is what was going on. Because there's no way by that. I mean, maybe they didn't know, but I feel like I feel like you've always heard those things about the wrestling industry, but you never really heard anything outside of a few well, stories that popped up. When people put them together in their minds, they're always thinking, "Oh, back then, it's not happening now." Like, come on, it's not happening now. It's it was back then. It was a 
different era. No. This just fucking happened. Like this when I when I was reading this and I saw 2020, I, I actually like I was like I couldn't fucking believe it for a second. And I was just like, whoa. What else are they what other skeletons are in that closet? That um you know, it's 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 only a matter of time till we find out. Um but <clears throat> John Laurinaitis was named in this as well as Brock Lesnar, who there was a planned Brock Lesnar spot at the Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar was replaced with Braun Breaker. And yeah. So I, I think that that to me, there's ways you can read into that. But from from everything I've read about Ari Emanuel and TK and this new what they're calling TKO now, which we covered last week, The Rock is now a board a board member for TKO. Ari Emanuel is not gonna fuck around with stuff like this. And he he did not want to put Brock in there. Um Bro, I heard some crazy shit that his daughter was working for WWE at the same, like at a similar time frame here. So, like, can you imagine how you would feel knowing that now? Like, yeah. So, even if you know for sure, like, I'm sure went to his daughter, like, hey, anything happened, you know, and obviously, if nothing, you know, they're willing to even say, right? Because a lot of times victims don't report this shit, you know, when kind of shit like this happens, you know? Um, like, assuming that they would be telling the truth in that scenario, find out that it's fine. I would still be fucking furious that that could have even possibly happened to someone that's that close to me. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. I, I hope this is a situation where like, like remember how they suggested it should probably go before when this first stuff came out about Vince and how they were like, just get him out and fucking remove yourself as far away from this as possible. I think that's what you have to do here. It seems like that's the direction they're going. Um, I'm sure you have it in your notes. Did you see that Slim Jim threatened to fucking pull their sponsorship? Well, and yes, this is when this is what caused the the I mean, who knows if Vince was going to resign. I, I mean, last time he was accused of something, you know, just last year, he came out on SmackDown the next night, for example. And, you know, was did a fucking power trip, essentially. Slim Jim threat, not even threatened. They pulled their sponsorship for the Royal Rumble. And if you guys watch the Rumble, you know how much that sponsorship was going to be. And then Vince McMahon resigned, and they put their sponsorship back in. So, I mean, shout out Slim Jim for actually, seriously. I mean that that took like they did it. They they essentially, I mean, could be the reason that he even resigned because I, I, whether that became a strong arm thing of dude, we're gonna lose all our fucking money if you don't leave now, or you know who knows. But Slim Jim essentially. If you want to connect two dots together, once that sponsorship was pulled, the rest were probably going to come, and he got the hell out of there. So, yeah, um, just kind of the part two of this is, you know, if you guys follow like media news or entertainment news, you know the top dog in every single one of these is Deadline. Deadline is the big one. Deadline's the final boss, if you will. If something's coming from Deadline, it's legit. The deadline headline this week, because you know we could have we could have caught called that this was going to happen. Um, it it Vince McMahon risk weighs on TKO stock. Asked about explosive lawsuit. WWE content chief Paul Levesque instead touts company's amazing week. That's the headline they're going with. And if you 
read that and you're like, what the fuck could could have possibly happened? Well, when Triple H got up on that press conference, um, three reporters back to back to back asked him about the lawsuit and what are his thoughts on it. And he chose answers that are borderline. He's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about our great week. And when you when when you answer like that, you get a headline like this. Um, he also said at one point he didn't read the lawsuit, which prompted a, an insane fucking Meltzer tweet. But uh, they actually quoted the Meltzer tweet verbatim in this on deadline. Because if you guys don't know, even outside of our wrestling bubble, Dave Meltzer is seen as the guy for reporting on wrestling. Anytime something happens, he's the guy that's brought into CNN. He's the guy that Deadline is talking about. And Meltzer's tweet was, Your father-in-law was just accused of sex trafficking and rape. Everyone knows how much I personally like Paul, but this was bad. The most powerful man in the history of this business was just removed in disgrace. This was really bad. And, and why I feel like this is important to talk about is... I, I feel often as if, you know, the business as a whole, look, we're a wrestling show, man. Like, I, I we love wrestling. And when this is what people recognize, every, like, everyone has seen this. If they follow any, if they're, like, into the news at all, they've seen this. And it's just such a bad look for the business, man. It is such a fucking brutal look. And they there needs to be, like, a serious house cleaning. And they need to figure out. They they really need to move on and and like I'm trying to think of the right terms here. Just clean house of everyone that did anything with this, using their power to manipulate and abuse these women. And I'm sure there was men in this too that were abused and everything. Like it's not just it's going to be more than a one. Like you know what I mean. So just Duke, give me some of your thoughts on this. And I guess like the most powerful man in the history of this business was just removed in disgrace. For I the second time, let's no, let's line, not even let's not even fucking yeah, sugarcoat it. This time. is the second time he's been removed in disgrace because the first time it was sort of we all knew he was coming back because we all thought in our heads there's no way there's nothing, you know there was and I think and I hated the way they described this at the time, but Dave Meltzer was fucking right about this, and so I had to give him credit on this originally. And I don't know if it was him, so if it wasn't him, if it was somebody else, I apologize for misattributing this quote. But somebody along something said the, excuse me, somebody said something along the lines of, well, even though. Actually, it wasn't Dave. I can't remember who it was. But even though this is fucked, this is not enough to put Vince away. They were right about that because Vince had enough power still at the time. And we've talked about this. It, it appears that this time Vince did not have that power. So whatever deal he made to get himself back in, whatever situation, he, whatever power, whatever bridges he burned, whatever the hell he did last time that gave him the power to get back in. They obviously got rid of that, or this was so bad, they just were not willing to even consider it, you know? Um, and I, I got to be honest with you, Charlie. This is fucking horrible. It's a, like you said, it's, it's a really, it's a really fucking bad look for the industry, which I, I, I care secondarily about at this point because I'm more concerned that if this has been the precedent in the industry for however long at the toppest of levels, What's been happening on the industry in the lower levels? How many women trying to get booked have been, you know, messed with in the same way? How many people trying to break in as announcers and on their like talent, like, you know, your interviewers and stuff like that or commentators or what the fuck ever. 
How many times has this happened in the industry and it hasn't been reported? How many other NDAs have been signed over the years? How many of your favorites are actually fucking monsters? It just makes me wonder all the time now. I mean, not not to bring this up in case it does turn out to not be true, but I think back to how we felt about the Jericho situation since it popped off. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if Jericho actually did anything, but let's just say that he did. I would still think Jericho needs to be out even though he's a big part of AEW, because this shit needs to stop. And the fact that they keep allowing it to happen, and I say they, the industry as a whole, and it is just like, you know, when people talk about other industries where there's like a, a, like a pre- not, not a precedent, because that seems like more like a legal term, but like there's like, um, there's, there's, there's like this established idea that everybody's just fucking so dirty. You just have to fucking, you have to do, you know, either excel, you know, either have to spend your time, like pretending like that doesn't exist. And like, you're kind of like, you're not involved, but you're like enabling the behavior, you know, almost by not doing anything or speaking out about it. Right. Um, and, and you know what? I don't blame people sometimes when they're in that situation. Cause if you were literally, all right, Charlie, I'm gonna ask you a question. If you were a fucking up and coming wrestler trying to get your name out there and you knew stuff was happening, but you wanted you. Know, it doesn't make it's a it's a horrible fucking mindset. But I can see people thinking, "Well, I don't want to ruin my opportunity by fucking exposing the industry." Well, that needs to stop. People need to be fucking thrown out of this industry that have done stuff like this. I'm. It it may yeah. fucking destroy the industry, but if if that's the case, then those are the motherfuckers that destroyed it because it, this can't be a thing. And it's so sad that the legacy of Vince McMahon will will now probably be this as opposed to all the insane things that he did for the wrestling industry he's been scraped from the wwe website think about that i i i just don't understand and i think something worth noting is is because people will always have questions about you know these ndas and and you know well why didn't why didn't so-and-so come forward when this happened in 2020, right? Well, that's why we now have a law in America. I mean, again, I don't know if this is in every country. Were we way behind or are we way in front? I don't know. I have no idea. But in 2022, um, our president, who was Joe Biden, he signed, he signed that law that said, if you have an NDA signed for sexual harassment and that that law it's now broken that nda is breaking you can speak out about it and that's from that point going forward it, that i don't believe that was to do with the past so theoretically if you clean house now and then you you do something like this it, specifically in america yeah right you you can't you're not protected anymore that nda's that that nda's null and void like it's gone so that i mean look everyone can have their own political opinions and everything like that but that's one of the fucking that that was something great and that came yeah, out of the uh, speaking out thing from 2022 or the so you know i i think going forward in our country and in in wrestling here this kind of stuff shouldn't be happening but yeah. this just happened in 2020 so it's like i don't fucking know anymore man like i yeah, it's a fucking mess, and it, we felt like we had to talk about it. So we want to make sure we, we gave you guys some of our thoughts on the show. So because- no one's names in WWE. So when did Stephanie like officially leave? Because I know she had taken a leave of absence, but is she like gone? Gone? I didn't know she actually She's left. Gone. Yeah. Wow. I, okay. She was gone before the TKO thing when Vince forced himself back on. So Vince oh. was gone. He forced himself back in with TKO using probably I'm guessing 
some type of uh, ownership or stocks. Well, I'm guessing something down. like that, where it could have just been that, that he convinced enough people who were in the executive side that it was better for the deal for them to get if he was involved exactly. or I'm, something like that. Like yeah. that's all I can think. That's the only thing I can I'm think sure that he did would make business fucked. people. Because you can yeah. make business people do stuff that's really probably not in their best interest long term if they see profit short term. You know what I mean? Like so, but yeah. So, fuck Vince. Sorry, I I just fuck Vince McMahon. That that guy. Oh, a thousand percent, dude. Get yeah, it's, get him the fuck out of here. I'm glad he's gone. I hope everybody that ever fucking followed in his footsteps gets gone too. If the things that I've heard about Bruce Pritchard being his fucking puppet and fucking creative, even though he's supposed to have not had a creative role, are true. Get him fucking out too, because. No, that, Ronda no Ronda Rousey sticking her neck out saying that the other day. So shout out to Ronda Rousey. Rousey. Yeah, fucking get her back in Ring of Honor, TK. Get her fucking yeah. ha, have her become no the fucking have her become the fucking CEO Slayer or something. I don't know. Have her set up a match with fucking <laughs> with fucking Mercedes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. Good shit. Um, so we got uh, the Royal Rumble did happen this weekend. Let's spend some time talking about the talent in the Royal Rumble then. Um, we opened up with Bailey winning the women's Royal Rumble. Some of the cool spots here was, uh, Naomi f- officially returned. Yep. Number um, two as well. I like, I like just didn't ride yep, into that it. That was really cool. Send it. Jordan Grace entered the Royal Rumble as the current she TNA Knockouts Championship. Fucking great. I hope they bring her in for some one shots since they got this like sort of pseudo deal with TNA or whatever that they've got. I hope it's not just this Royal Rumble thing. I mean, it's cool if they bring the women in for the Rumble to fill out some bodies or whatever. That's cool. You know what I mean? But I, I really would like to see Jordan Grace like show up and just have a match with somebody. Like, um, if they don't have like somebody in their mind to face one of their like their women's champion, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, fucking, you know, exhibition champion versus champion match. I love doing those in WWE anyway. Fuck it, do it. We and then kind of more towards the end of the show, uh, the one we've all been waiting on, Jade Cargill, finally showed up to a massive reaction. The entire kind of tempo in the crowd changed when Jade got out there. She picks Nia Jax up over her shoulders, chucks her over the top rope. And yeah, she even eliminates, I believe, Becky Lynch. So, and Liv, Mor- think- Liv Morgan returns at 30. So, some, it, I, I gotta tell you, it was really cool to see Jade get that spot and beat, you know. Mm-hmm. Jade's fucking incredible. You think and she's she on the main roster now? Bianca. I'm guessing she is. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Have her train the performance center for a bit till she learns the WWE style and then send her in when you're confident that she can wrestle on TV. You know what I mean? Because I mean, we've seen what she did last, like, what was she, like a year and a half in AEW or something like that? Like, however long she was. Was she there for the full two years? She might have been. Um, yeah, whatever the point is. Two years, yeah. Whatever the, whatever the exact amount of time we covered her and the company for. Um, and she, we, we've been watching her progress over that course of time into becoming not just a good wrestler, but one of the best, like, giant women wrestlers that I think I've ever seen that's this early I mean, in their her career. last match with Statlander was incredible. So, you know, yeah, I, it bodes well for... I was a little worried with how long it's taken them to get her off the ground in WWE, you know? Like, because they just haven't used her. And you know what? If they're about to skyrocket her to the moon, fuck it. She could be a women's champion by the end of this year. You watch. They, WWE loves to make stars, so... And she's definitely star material. Oh, Yeah. Uh, up next, we had a fatal four-way for the Undisputed Championship where Roman Reigns defeated LA Knight, AJ Styles, and Randy Orton. And uh, it was a Roman Reigns match, so you guys know exactly what happened. Solis Koa interrupted. They got same old shit chance. And yeah, that title reign is... Uh... Hey, LA Knight looked fucking great in this match, though. L. Oh, yeah. Dude, dude's so. killing it. Not, not, in that. Dude, I'm, and I was saying this to you in my... Um... 
in our DMs like yesterday or something like that. But LA Knight being still in the world title scene, I feel like that's a good move. Like not everybody would make that move, and so good good job there, Brother H. Yeah. United States Championship match. Logan Paul defeats Kevin Owens, and Kevin Owens beat the living shit out of this guy. Holy hell, he was fucking bloody pulp. Um, yeah, it was. This was a fun match. Kevin Owens does so great in these spots. There were some uh, shenanigans, and I believe the match ended via DQ. So, no shock there in terms of a DQ finish, but some brass knucks, cool stuff. Just, uh, I wasn't a big fan of that finish, but uh. Oh yeah, like the non-finish. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, Red uh, spots, the brass knucks. I mean, look. I mean, whatever. There could be there are worse ways to DQ somebody. You know what I mean? Agreed. Like, like you could have just had him like do something blatantly in front of the ref. Like he got away with it technically, but then the ref saw like he didn't hide his tracks enough. And we've seen in plenty of matches where they actually literally hide the weapon in their, their trunks or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, it is a thing. We've seen MJF do that move before. You know, like so he just fucked up. Um, I saw he had, like, he wrestled with, like, a fractured foot during this match. I don't know if that's actually true, but that's insane if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, KO Mania. And the the main event, the Men's Royal Rumble match, where we had Cody Rhodes going back-to-back. The Royal Rumble winner, the Codelander, the American Nightmare. Um, yeah, I, I was rooting for him and Gunther, and I, I wound up being pretty happy when it was all said and done. Uh, Jay and Jimmy entered first and second, kind of setting up their little mania, mania shindig. Uh, Andrade returned to WWE. He entered fourth. Um, and yeah, outside of that, you know what I noticed though, when he came back, he did not get the reaction that I thought he would. There's a theme song problem in WWE and it's something I, I, you know, I feel like we've mentioned before where, I think AEW's really stepped up their music game. Yeah. Where WWE has declined. And I don't know how that's possible. I think they might have just moved back into that vibe of we're going to get actual songs that we can then use. Like, these are our songs now. And as opposed to we're going to have somebody, like, make a new track and then we have to deal with the copyright of them making the track. And, like... Def I, Rebel versus Mikey Ruckus. Cage match. Send it. I honestly have no fucking clue how they do it these days. The the themes do suck. I did notice that. I was like, damn, none of these themes. You were pointing out that they all kind of sound the same, and they do. And a lot of them yep. also sound like just not like the the more electronic-y ones. Like, they just aren't. Like, AEW is like, got like, I mean, Naomi's still hit, like, you know. But, like, that's also one from before when that old it's era. a lot of so. these new ones that just, there's a serious music problem in WWE. Like, seriously. It, yeah. There is a problem. got to work on that. And even people at the show, uh. So, like, even uh, Jordan Grace's theme was way better than most of the other ones in, yeah, in the same it, match. It had, like, a, it had that it's something right away that you can recognize with. It fits for her. Pat McAfee said the police are here. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I think well, the other main entrant here I took away was Braun Breaker. Holy shit, dude! That he looks so much better than he did when I when I watched him in that uh, you know. Pink NXT, whatever the fuck it was. Pink NXT? <laughs> what? Uh, Braun Breaker, yo, that guy's got it, man. Look, I, I did I was I even watched his Ziggler match. I didn't really care for it. He's, he's learning and he's picked it up fast. He and and here's the thing. I'll say he stepped up big in a spot that he was obviously not supposed to be in, so you know yeah, and that that adds to it. 
it, he knowing this was Brock's spot. I mean, this might be so lucky for his fucking career. What a break here, uh, breaker. Um, <laughs> you know his spear. There, there. To me, there's a difference between an arm tackle and a fucking like a shoulder dig spear, right? And that's why I, I constantly put over Drilla Maloney spear. It's a legit fucking shoulder to the heart. Holy shit, Breaker hits that version of the spear, and I love it. Fucking shout out Edge. And Steel his, Drilla, uh, WWE, give me the match. Do it, cowards. Yeah. Edge teaching a fucking generation to do the arm tackle. Um, Sami Zayn returned at 30. Actually, I don't think it was a return, but still. Yeah, Cody Rhodes ends up 1v1ing CM Punk in the final two, and he gets the victory. So, we know now, Cody Rowe, or uh, CM Punk, uh, tore his tricep pretty much right away. Same exact injury as his uh, recent one in AEW. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, it just, Duke, give me some of your thoughts on, again, now CM Punk, we do know now, will miss WrestleMania, so he's... Not finishing his Unbelievable. Un-fucking-believable. And, and now Cody Rhodes, back-to-back. Uh, back. So, yeah, give, yeah, us, give, I mean, me, give me your thoughts. Good stuff for Cody. I mean, you know, he's now in an elite group of wrestlers that have won back-to-back Royal Rumbles. Um, I can't think – I can only think of a handful that I even remember that have won more than one, you know, like. Yeah. Um, so he's now in an elite class of wrestler at this point. Um, but hold on. Let me try and fix my mic. It's doing weird shit. And it's still doing weird shit. Hold on. But, all right. Anyway, um, Weird shit. that being said, um, I you know obviously I'm really happy for Cody. I do hope he does actually beat Roman this year. I do think that's the plan. I don't actually know for sure, obviously, but uh, I do think that's where they're going. Um, so I at least have a reason to tune into Mania this year. Um, I don't know if I'm going to watch the whole thing. I mean, we we did last year, I think, but I mean, it'll have to look at the card. If the card's good, I might I might give some more stuff some, some more stuff uh, a look. But I may just be watching the Cody matches to see what happens with the with our boy Cody. Um, but uh, yeah, shout outs to Cody giving the little uh, like little nod to to the young bucks and Kenny uh, after he picked up the win. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, but yeah, just it was actually a pretty good Royal Rumble show. I thought you know it was. I agree. Matches. I, agreed. I I thought it was well done. I've seen some people dunking on it, but I gotta tell you, I we, we shorter pay per views are a good thing sometimes. Yeah, I we think. were hanging out with a bunch of our buddies and we had a good time. So yeah, it was it was a good time. So. Let's jump into the meat of the show then, where you're going to take the wheel here, and you got us on the Ring of Honor this week. Ring of God! Episode 48. Um, we're just just a few short episodes away from episode 50, and we are just like four away from one year of Ring of Honor shows, which, again, I hope they do something for that, man. Like, I, I feel like the Ring of Honor crew and the Ring of Honor people, that like the wrestlers, the people that wrestle in Ring of Honor, they deserve that much, because they've done a good job holding it down for the last year. Um... So yeah, we open up with our normal card rundown from Rickamani. Uh and we open up with uh, uh I actually thought it was a great uh team to open the show with. I love getting the righteous out there first, um, because it gets people, you know, that are there early, you know, or I guess wait, do they tape these later in the show? Whatever whatever the fucking taping order is. But I'm just glad these are like for if there's still a bunch of people, if it's after there's still a bunch of people in the crowd, but if it's not, then the hardcores who are going to know, like people that are there early, if it's early in the show, you know, um, like they're going to be like, oh shit, it's the righteous. Okay. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, like a super long match or anything. They just, you know, they, uh, they wrestled, uh, uh, Anaya and Camaro, Camaro Jackson. Um, and I, I'm not, I didn't quite get down exactly which one of them was, but they had a lot of glory for wrestling people on ring of honor this week. Um, and 
you know, basically my biggest takeaway from this match, Charlie, was uh, <laughs> was was Dutch looking the wood. Uh, and I'm just going to leave it at that. And that's that's all you need to know. Um, uh, he licked the wood on on in Ring of Honor television. Um, so, yeah, no, um, it was uh, like it's like, like a two by four or whatever. I think they said it was like part of like a railroad track or something. I don't even know. That's that we needed more expansion on that from fucking. From uh from the righteous, it's interesting. It's a different. Uh, look, I'll tell you this: whenever they bring out a different weapon, it usually doesn't like work in wrestling. For some reason, like there's like five foreign objects that you can use or whatever, like and then like various ones from like ECW that they just brought out a couple of times, right? But like other than that, there aren't like a ton of improvised weapons that, unless you're in a death match, really makes sense, you know? Like, and this is one I think actually can. I don't know why I spent so much time on the goddamn two by four, but. Um, or whatever the hell it is, the block of wood. Holy shit, my mic is freaking out. Is it, uh, is it, oh, oh my god, my mic, dude, my mic is about to explode. Can you hear that on your end? Holy shit. We're in fucking giving us space. A little, uh, giving us a little wigglies. Yeah, we're it's fucking. Right. I, I don't think it's going to make the show because we have the one, uh, the one render thing, so. Okay, well, apologies for everyone. While if they it made it, that. yeah, sorry, but. No, you you we're good. I just want I just hear it in my ear and I'm like, I always assume if I can hear it in my headphones that it, it can be heard on the on the track. Apologies if there is a little bit of audio interference going on in the mic. There shouldn't be any reason for that. I don't have any like the, the signal isn't getting into its own anyway. Um but yeah, so we got a little all in video promo. We they love to do these on Ring of Honor. It makes sense there is an inherent tie between all in and uh Ring of Honor anyway, but I mean it just also makes sense to get these on your, your streaming show that you have every week. Neither Rose took on Laney Luck here. Um, Nyla to me is like the definition of like a reliable worker. Like you can put her up against just about anybody and she's going to probably be able to get them to a good match. If not, uh, you know, look really good in the process herself. But, uh, you know, right now I think the, the ring of honor women's championships in a pretty good place, um, with, with this story and, uh, she picks boom with the peace bomb. So, you know, Nyla just continues to, uh, to, to roll on here. All right. So Zach Knight took on Aaron Solo and fucking crickets for Aaron Solo, man. That's just criminal. The guy's been working his ass off in this company for years and just gets no respect, you know? I guess not in Ring of Honor, but in AEW Ring of Honor. But yeah, he helped to make uh, Zach Knight look pretty good. Um, I'm really excited for the future of Zach Knight, Charlie. He feels like he's cut from that same sort of Pete Dunn cloth of British strong style, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see. I think we tipped that he should maybe end up, maybe it was you, that said, maybe he should end up as one of Will Ospreay's dudes, you know, um, when he makes a faction inevitably in AEW. Um, I definitely, I definitely, maybe I just thought it in my head and didn't actually say it, but, uh, you know, I mean, British, British, I, hey, you know, um, strong style, strong style, you know. Um, something that was said during this match, I think it was by Rick Abani, that fucking blows my mind is Aaron Solo was apparently in a tag team with Jushin Thunder Liger when he was in his run in the U.S., and Liger likes the guy. So what the fuck? Why is nobody... Got, if, if fucking Jushin Thunder Liger... If, are we just, like, fucking disrespecting his fucking, like, take on this guy that fucking... You know what I mean? Like, we yeah. all we all tip the fuck out of the fact that Breeze got a match with Liger. You know what I mean? So why can't we have the same energy for Aaron Solo? I mean, I guess Breeze never really got that respect either, but... Again, I don't know. I, I, I that just blew my mind. I was like, "What the fuck are we doing?" If this guy was, if if Liger, if this guy was on Liger's radar, I feel like, what the hell? Anyway, yeah, I Aaron Solo is one of those guys where I just I don't know what's what it's gonna take. You know, he also had the tag team with Ricky Starks, and remember they kind of ran that little uh, yeah. little program there for two weeks, but it looked like he belonged, and it's yeah, I just I don't know. 
Yeah. I mean, he's still young, so we. He's got time, but it's just like time, I, I want to see yeah. him get more opportunities because I feel like I've just never seen him. I've, I think there was a couple of dark matches where they let him actually do a little bit of stuff, and we were like, "Yeah, this guy's good. He was on our radar." You know what I mean? That's why every time he was in like a faction with QT or somebody like that, we were always like, "Yeah, fucking Aaron Solo, give him more opportunities." You know. Um, but anyway, back to the main focus of this, which is Zack Knight. Um, I think with uh, a few more reps on Honor Club, this guy could easily slot right into the upper mid card of Ring of Honor, if not the world title scene. You know what I mean? So just keep this guy chugging along. He's just he's doing really great stuff. He's got a phenomenal finisher. Um, and uh, Solar went night night here. So you know, um, yeah, uh, Zack Knight looking really strong here on this episode of Ring of Honor. Griff Garrison and Cole Carter took on the Spanish announced project of Angelico, or sorry, Angelico. I need to get that through my brain. Uh, Angelico and uh, Serpentico. Uh, Serpentico did double duty this week, didn't he, Charlie? Goddamn, guy's a fucking animal. Um, but, uh, or, oh, sorry, John Cruz was on the show. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know what it is about Griff Garrison and Cole Carter, and they pointed this out on commentary, Charlie. It's kind of like an it factor thing. I don't know what it is about them as a team. They just work together, and I can't explain it. Um, and they, something else with Maria as well, like to, to the first distraction spot in this match, they ended up doing a couple of more later, but the first one kind of came out of nowhere and the way they shot it made it seem a lot more sudden and sort of like disruptive. And it made it, it was, it felt more impactful that first time. If they can make it feel like that every time, there could be something way different with this team. Like there's an energy here. I'm not sure what it is, but um, that was pretty good. Um, and what I was writing while I, right after I wrote that in my notes, I wrote in my notes, well, we need a little bit more storyline here. This has been good. This is exactly what I asked for with these guys, right? Give them a story. Right now with Angelico and Serpentico, they have a little bit of a mini story going on. And I thought we needed a little bit more here. Well, they gave it to me, Charlie, because they fucking won this match by ripping off Serpentico's mask and causing him to cover his face and not try and kick out because he didn't want to be, you know, shamed for having his face seen as a luchador that wears a mask. I thought that was a brilliant little, you know, um wrinkle to throw in there because we well obviously we know angelico is very tapped in and very he speaks spanish enough to do commentary so he's obviously very very tied to mexican and just luchador wrestling in general he's got that submission wrestling style that they have over there and so he's gonna feel some type of way about his tag team partner presumably a really close friend of his serpentico being demasked like that and they ran off with the mask so that's gonna be like a trophy for them for a little bit this is way more than i expected them to give this charlie I'm intrigued. I want to see where this goes. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, you know what's crazy is I, I enjoyed this match. Mm-hmm. I thought the Zach Nightmare and Solo match was actually pretty good. Oh, the yeah. two before it concerned me a little bit. But after this, what the fuck did they do for like the next hour of the show? It dragged pretty bad. Why? Yeah. It just dragged. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's. Let's go through it for him. Like, like, just this okay. is ridiculous, yep, 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 dude. Yep, yep. 100%. So we got a little AEW Revolution video package, you know, Sting's retirement, blah, 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 moving on. The Outrunners. I was feeling then. optimistic at this point is, the, is what I wanted to put it there. That's, no, that's fair. That's fair. It, th- this did feel like it was getting, like, the first 20, 30 minutes or whatever it was you said, like. Yeah, um, this match and the Aaron Solo one back to back, I was like, yep. oh, shit. I was like, okay, okay we, we, we might, we might some... be, co- yeah, we might be cooking here. Huh? Okay. It might be a good ring of honor. It's two hours, but hey, sometimes the two hour shows cook. You know what I mean? The first one was two hours and it cooked crazily. So, you know, like, um, the Not Outrunners, real. yeah, the Outrunners came out. Um, yeah, if you have Honor Club, go back and watch that one if you jumped on late or something like that. Um, anyway, uh, the Outrunners came out 
And uh, I still don't really care about them, man. I just don't. I respect the hell out of Caprice, though. And so the fact that he likes them, I, maybe I should give him a second look, you know? Um, but Charlie, when Blake Christian and Willie Mack came out, I was fucking so worried they were going to lose. And then they were starting to not get hardly any offense in, in the match. And I was like, are the outrunners about to win this? No, they didn't. They didn't, which is even more confusing because they've been booking the outrunners to win stuff lately. So like, I'm confused from a booking standpoint. I didn't really love this match. Um, but thank fucking Christ. They didn't have Willie Mack and Blake Christian lose to these guys, Charlie. Like what is going on? Uh, I don't know, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Um, we had a, a women's trios match here. We had Lady Frost, Trisha Dora, and Kiera Hogan take on Taya Valkyrie, Layla Gray, and Diamante. Uh, and Johnny TV was out there as well. They're really trying their asses off to make this new title work. They really want it to. Um, but I feel like I just needed to actually get moving at some point. I really hope we're not waiting to the pay per view to fucking crown this new champion because that's going to be a while. You know what I mean? Like. And and I don't think a competitive six woman tag is what we want to see. Let's get competitive one on ones. Yeah, right. That's gonna be what Let's this tournament's gonna be. Minutes in one on ones, not a six minute fucking this. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it was only six minutes. That's crazy. Um, we uh we had a like there was a little spot of Diamante shoving Kira off the apron right before they picked up the win. So I'm not sure if there's gonna be something out of that. Like maybe there'll be a little storyline between those two. Although I could also see them not wanting to do that because of, you know, uh, their IRL. I think they're still in an IRL relationship. I don't actually know the status of everybody's relationships in AEW. Sometimes I think someone's still in a relationship and it turns out they've actually been uh, not for a while. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, and I find out there was somebody else. I'm like, oh, shit. How the turntables. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure they're going to do anything with that. But that, you know, that, uh, that match happened. Uh, Layla and Rachel were backstage. And uh, even though this was in that hour you were talking about, that just kind of dragged this, even though it did feel like it took them a while to get through, maybe they're not perfectly comfortable cutting promos yet, both of them, um, like in this setting. Um, but I did like that they were like, hey, you know, you're a tag team and you've been working together well, but, you know, is this championship, is you know, is this going to be a problem, you know? Um, and they were like, well, no, I mean, you know, we both want each other to win and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, the only person that might be able to be Layla and be someone who, uh, you know, this was Rachel saying this, might be someone who's been watching her extra, extra closely. So apparently like Rachel is just like a fucking demon over there, just fucking planning the revenge for, I don't even know what, but she's just, goddamn. apparently she's been plotting. Yeah, right. right. Anyway. Um, so there's that little, little tension thrown in there. I don't know if they're actually going to, I mean, if that's just the plan is like this little program they've been doing is just going to end in them having a match. I mean, fine, but I mean, I think they work together, so I don't know. Although the ring of honor is kind of fluid. So, I mean, there've been teams that have come and gone, so we'll see. Um, so we had the iron savages taking on the infantry and Lee Johnson here. <clears throat> and, uh, commentary kept talking about how Rick, Rick, got caught, got bleh, caught in 4k, uh, with Tony storm. Um, which is just like, God damn. <laughs> Apparently Rick and Bonnie's wife must just be really chill with all these jokes because they just keep making them. You know what I mean? Um, there was a fucking Pokemon reference during this match on commentary. Charlie commentary was all over the place this week on ring of honor. It was wild. And I love it. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know where titty city is in the United States, Charlie. And it is definitely a city in the United States. Let's be honest. Um, but I guess it could be a city, a city somewhere else. I don't know where Titty City is. I do know the Rick and Bones zone is within that geographic area, though. That's all I know. Um, so, yeah. I Honestly, because, like, obviously I've given a lot of shit to the Iron Savages, right? But we have a way worse team now in the Outrunners. So I think, I've, I think I'm finally coming around on them. Um, but, you know, 
and Slim J as well. Uh, I think I think all the guys that I hated before. I think I hate the Outrunners collectively enough that I don't care about the rest of them anymore. Um, so yeah, just pull the trigger on all these guys. Fuck it. I mean, they seem to want to make the Iron Savages work. If you want them to work, just let them fucking hoss through some teams. I think I think they could actually make it look really good, especially with how they were. I think that was the funny thing about Bear Country was that we just hated the gimmick. Well, at least I did. I hated the gimmick, you know. But I I liked what they were doing in the ring, you know. Um. Uh, we had a big pin here. I mean, is, is this a big pin for Lee Johnson? I don't know. He picks up the win here. Whatever. I guess, yeah. I guess he continues his momentum, you know? Yeah. Uh, Red Velvet took on Heather Reckless, who I'm not sure if she's under contract. I think this is like her third or fourth time picking an appearance on Ring of Honor or AEW. So maybe fifth or sixth. I mean, she was on like a couple times in one week, I want to say one week too. So, um, but, you know, so bring her back, obviously. She's doing very good stuff. Um, and I would love to see Red be that next. Like, I feel like we have, like, four or five, uh, like, women that have, like, committed themselves, it feels like, to being regulars on Ring of Honor. Um, I think if Saria Deem hadn't been injured when she was, she probably would have done a similar thing, not just because I don't think she wouldn't have been on AEW television, but I just think with the Jamie Hayter and then the Tony Storm of it all, she would have probably had to have something to do, you know, and she was obviously on that role. So Ring of Honor just makes the most sense in my head. Um, let Red be that next like fifth, sixth, whatever. I don't know how many it would be. We are actually at at this point that are like regulars that we know are really good from their exp- you know, experience and appearances on AEW. If Red's gonna be Red Velvet, obviously gonna be that next like regular, that I think she could make that really, really work. And um, there's no reason why she couldn't do that and still appear on AEW. I mean, she's already doing it, so why not do it again? You know, she's uh she's pretty good, and she looked good here. I think. Um, Nyla Rose had a segment backstage. She was tossing Athena's stuff in the trash and then threatened Lexi and Billy Starks and then, uh, put a cameraman through the table. Um, my, my headcanon is this is the cameraman that, uh, Soraya has beef with, uh, even though that's probably not the case. Um, but that would be kind of funny. Um, so it's probably different camera people for Ring of Honor anyway, if I'm being honest. But I mean, actually, it might not be, though. Would you hire new camera people to film at the same show? Probably not. Anyway, um, Billy Starks then took on 2D Lynn. Again, I like this vibe of where we're keeping the segments that are close to each other. It doesn't always happen, but I like that we had a segment where Billy Starks was mentioned by name by Nyla Rose backstage, and then we went straight into the Billy Starks match. And then she then like implied, like, ah, oh, fucking that bitch, you know, basically when she when she was done with her match. Picked up a nice win here over uh, Tootie Lynn. I, I think Tootie Lynn's one of the ones that I've seen before as well and liked. Uh, she might be someone that we can't necessarily get because she's like maybe interested in wrestling elsewhere or she just doesn't want to sign with AEW slash Ring of Honor for whatever reason. But if we can get her, I think she looked good here. And I think she has in the past. Um, so, all right, this is one I actually have to go to my notes for because I missed uh, this match a little bit. I was paying attention, but like I was like, I got distracted a little bit, so I'm I'm actually going to go to the article here. Sorry about this. Anyway. Oh, Cody Lane. So I just wanted to get the guy's name. That's all I missed. So I did actually see the match. I just couldn't remember the guy's name. So I'm not sure that this Cody Lane guy is, but it seemed like commentary was acting like we should maybe know who he is. So it could be a local thing, but it could also just be that they just know who he is. You know, sometimes commentary knows about people. Excalibur is like big on that, like just happening to know about a random wrestler that is like essentially doing the job. You know what I mean? Not that this guy was doing that here. He actually got to do some stuff. Um, you know, Paige obviously has been on a roll. Re- excuse me, on a roll recently in Ring of Honor, uh, and he's you know still targeting that uh, television championship, which was not on the show this week. Uh, you know, obviously Kyle defended it a couple weeks in a row. Give him a week off. I think he'll be okay. You know, did not have him for a week. 
And uh, I thought Ethan Page looked good here. Picks up, in a, picks up a win with the Ego's Edge. Uh, a lot of the matches, I mean, Charlie, was anything long on Ring of Honor this week? It didn't really feel like it until like, the very no, end. Uh, all, especially these these ones that we're into right now. I mean, they were just like, this match was two minutes on the dot I'm looking at. That's crazy. Well, so, well what, what can you do? I mean, Red Velvet, Heather, Le- Heather Reckless, 222. The Billy Starks, 305. This one, two I don't have much written down because it wasn't much to write down. No, there's too much. There, there's nothing. Yeah. No, it's it's just a quick, you know, boost to the record. 100%. Um, Don Castle, oh, this segment, Charlie. We had a Ring of Honor Board of Directors member, Jerry Lynn, backstage with Lexi and Eric, doing an interview. And then Don Castle came in, slamming his shoulder into the Johnny TV locker room door. And <laughs> then Jerry Lynn, like, held Castle back. He slapped the shit at him. He was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to fight you, you know? Yeah. It was good stuff. And then... Johnny TV comes out the locker room door and he does a split and then gets pulled out of frame by Ty Valkyrie. <laughs> and then Valkyrie pot, pokes her head through and calls Castle a loser. This is just the, the energy of this is like four people that are just stoned off their mind. Whoever's like agenting this fucking thing. It might be Jerry fucking Lynn, honestly, at this point. You know what I mean? They're all just sitting out smoking some fucking dope. You know what I mean? And then coming back and all right, this is what we're doing, guys. And Tony Khan's just like, God, fuck it. God, fucking hippies. You know, like, like he's like, yeah, fuck it. I mean, I, well, I'm not going to get you guys to do it. I'm not going to get you guys to come up with something new. So, uh, but yeah, we had Abaddon back on, uh, on Ring of Honor this week. Uh, they they're one of the most underrated wrestlers in the women's division. I think uh, they they gave Robin something to think about here. She she was I I think on a roll recently. Robin on Ring of Honor and she kind of ran into a buzzsaw bit here. You know, um, I I give me more of of Abaddon please on Ring of Honor. I again nothing was super duper long this week. This one might have got a little bit more time, uh, but uh, I just I love I just Abaddon's got such a unique gimmick. They do different things it's almost like I, I was trying to figure it out it's like a cross between like the undertaker and the boogeyman it's like some weird crazy awesome shit you know what i mean like and i'm down for it so and keep flying the flag for fucking for gender fluidity because we need more people on mainstream television and in entertainment in general doing that so shout us to abaddon holding it down you know um and god damn charlie that ass. Sorry. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I couldn't help it. This fucking weekend was fucking. It was. It was out there. Anyway, Abaddon um, was awesome on Hey EW. Oh yeah, that was. By the way, there's like a two minute clip of Abaddon explaining their pronouns this week. I think if you have any questions about that kind of stuff, it's probably literally like one of the best. Um, there's. It's a, got a bit of an air of like tongue in cheek to it but it's actually kind of it, there's some seriously good stuff in there i really enjoyed that clip i saw it on twitter and then i ended up going back and watching uh, hey w later but i saw the clip on twitter and i was like oh hell yeah get it get get that shit out there you know what i mean fucking make those motherfuckers know who the fuck you are you know and understand you and blah 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 blah, blah. um i just really enjoyed that stuff um john cruz as i mentioned was on the show taking on jack fucking cartwheel who i think is probably i mean i'm glad that we're getting to see Jack Car- excuse me, Jack Cartwheel regularly here on Ring of Honor. Um, apparently, he hit this move, Charlie, that was called a Flying Space Tiger Drop. The hell? I'm in. That's I'm a, in. It's a hell of a move name. Um, what, I, what, I, what I think I'm noticing the most about Jack, Charlie, is that I do, I do like everything that I'm seeing from him, but he's very good at being able to do like crazy athletic, like over-the-top over shit, right? 
I think he just needs a little bit of polish and he could be a superstar. Um, right now, it just feels like he's doing a lot of moves, but I just haven't seen a lot from him in, like, can he, can he string that together in a, in a big, you know, long, because I know I could, if I threw him against like Mike Bailey, I know they, if you gave them 20 minutes, they would just have an absolute fucking lucha fucking flippy fest, right? But can he go in there with somebody like a, a Brian Danielson or somebody who doesn't wrestle that style? I imagine it's just like everybody else that does this. It would just contrast very nicely, and it was, so it would make a good match. I just want to see him do that, you know what I mean? Um, but I think I, I think he's going to be a featured star here on Ring of Honor, so I think that's a good thing. He'll get more reps, and I think he'll get more used to this style of wrestling, and he'll get better. Uh, Anthony Henry took on Action Andretti. Um, you know, this energy action Andretti, even though I really want to see him be in that trio with top flight, bro, if he's going to have this energy that he's having in singles right now, which is probably, um, the best we've seen him be since he was with Jericho, right? I would say this run of matches that he's on right now, the one for the AAA mega championship last week, this one, the ones he's been having before that, that have been pretty good. Uh, we got a little bit of Hydretti here, but I was, I was thinking in my head, put this guy against Kyle for the TV championship, bro. That's a guy that Kyle can beat and it's going to feel like a legit win. You know what I mean? Uh, even though Kyle, I would say, is yeah, probably be, a bigger that'd star. Be a good, good program too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It'll give it'll give Andretti the opportunity to learn how to do a program like that a little bit better in singles. And uh, you know, um, I think they're doing excellent at showing what he can do really well. Um, and to me, this is the blueprint I had for Andretti in Ring of Honor when I first suggested that forever ago. Um, I think just let him let him do this. And uh, I, I think one way you can test to see if you want to do that with Kyle, give him a little bit of a, a little bit of a program here. Obviously, I don't think it'll be against John Cruz. Or somebody like that, but like, or Anthony Henry, forty years old, guy's got a lot of experience. That guy could carry a program with this guy. I mean, we know Anthony can speak a little bit on the mic, so hey, might be not a terrible thing, and it would give Anthony Henry an opportunity to show what he can do as well. All right, four corner survival: JD Drake versus Slim J versus Zucar, Rocky Romero, and uh, Josh Woods. By the way, has Rocky been using that theme from CMLL for a while, and I just completely blanked on it. Like, I, I really dig I, that theme. I'm not sure. I was, I was thinking the same though. Either way, I know he definitely used it in the match against Mystico because I went back and watched that clip because I was trying to find that music to see what the song was because they, they made a uh, deal out of it on the show on Ring of Honor. Anyway, good, good theme, so hopefully he uses that more. Um, Rocky ends up picking up the win here. Um, I like these four-corner survivals. I do wish I knew what they were for, like other than just to get people on the show. Um, Slim J looked better than I've seen him look in a while here, Charlie. Uh, I think I'm starting to come around in him, like I said earlier. Um, I do think the energy lacked a little bit in this match. And in the main event a little bit too, but we'll you know what? Well, let's talk about the main event. So Gravity and Gringo Loco took on the Kingdom for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. Well, a, a future match. It was a proving round. Um, so there wasn't much to say here. It was kind of again nothing really super got time this week on Ring of Honor. Um, so Riccaboni, or sorry, not Riccaboni, uh, Caprice mentioned that he 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 wants to call the move the locomotion, but doesn't think it works. He's probably right. It probably doesn't work. Because, like, how are you going to say that? And it's like, oh, it's locomotion. Like, that's just going to sound so fucking lame, right? But it does work because Gringo Loco is like a fucking flying freight train, Charlie. So it does work. Yes. Um, he's like, he's not he's not even heavy. He's just built like a fucking bomb coming to fly down from the skies and devastate everything in its path. No, anyway. Um, but uh, the Indisputed Kingdom, I think they need something to do right now because I feel like they're a little bit on pause because of the fact that maybe the guy they're probably supposed to be feuding with is off TV right now. Um, I don't know. Give me your thoughts on this and then go ahead and take us into Rampage because I actually have to hit a pineapple really quickly. But yeah, just, just let me know what you're thinking. Yeah, I thought this match was perfectly fine. And, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of the four-way like you, like you were either. Um, 
you know, the statement of <laughs> the two hour ring of honor and yet it felt like nothing got time is absolutely fucking ridiculous. And they need to just fundamentally change the format of the way they're structuring the show, in my opinion. Um this was a this was a tough ring of honor to watch. And uh that's not the vibe I want when I when I put the show on because I, I tend to uh enjoy when I watch Ring of Honor. So yeah. Moving on, I guess. Let's jump into uh, AEW Dynamite this week. As you guys know, I give you coverage of Dynamite and Rampage. It's a fun way to flip it all on and off. Um, Dynamite opened up pretty cool this week. We, uh, Samoa Joe makes his way out to the ring. Uh, commentary lets us know about how Hush him, pushed him to his limit last week. He stands before the crowd. He's an undeniable AEW world champion. No longer will title opportunities be given. Instead, they'll be earned. Anyone who earned a title match against him will suffer the same fate as Hook last week. Choked, unconscious, and everything taken from them. We end up following up Joe and Hook from last week as Hook's music hits. He goes face-to-face with Joe. He's got a mic in his hand. He shakes his hand, pulls him in, says he doesn't know when or where, but he'll see Joe again. And uh, Joe said, Hook, get to the back of the line. Security, come get this unworthy out of my ring. Hook starts beating the hell out of security. And uh, Joe makes his way to commentary for the following match. And he, he had a great line of, who, who raised that animal in there? <laughs> Our opening Thanks, match sir. of the night was Hangman Adam Page taking on and defeating Penta El Cedo Miedo with Alex Abrahentis. I thought this was a pretty fun opener. Um, yeah. Anytime you get a Penta kind of singles match, you're always going to get those fun little flashy moves that he does so brilliantly well. And uh, I'm just, I'm loving everything we get out of Hangman Page again lately. So I thought this was a really nice uh, tone setter for the rest of the show. And um, did the crowd seem a little quiet for these two? I feel like they were reacting to Penta and stuff like that. I don't know. Maybe they just, maybe they just weren't ready. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. And they couldn't even hear Hook's line. So, you know. Maybe maybe it has to do with miking. I don't know. There's, there's a yeah, lot yeah, that could be it. It could just yeah. I'm so, but um, when when the big moves were hit, the crowd, you know, they got yeah, no, the crowd gave the them a reaction. I, I just felt like I noticed there were quiet moments. Maybe I just had my volume on low. Could be yeah. There was a really cool spot on the apron where the fear factor and dead eye attempts were uh, avoided, and Pe- he uh, sends Penta back inside. Tries the buckshot. Penta counters it with the made in Japan for a really close two. Page ends up hitting the uh, just uh, dead eye, moonsault to the floor, and he eventually cracks him with a buckshot lariat for the victory. Renee's backstage with Orange Cassidy, asking about his thoughts on uh, Roddy. He said, uh, "Sure, fine. This is six weeks away. He's going to keep wrestling and ask Tony Khan to get his friends and enemies, put them together in a match on Rampage, and the winner will get a shot for the title on Collision. Simple enough, right? Yep. And um, yeah." I mean, Orange Cassidy. I this 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 title reign has lost all energy that it had. It's just it's dead in the water at this point. They just gotta just gotta rip the bandaid off at this point, you know. A whole lot of meat, and we got so six weeks, like you said, uh, until then. So you know, it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be it's probably gonna be six title matches at this hey, rate. If if five out of the six are good, then we'll be we'll be cooking. You know what I mean? Young Bucks are shown arriving backstage. They're in some cool suits. They get a rundown of the show. Marvez walks up asking them about their interview from last week. He says, what's the first plan of action as executives are? 
Nick said, hey, Frodo says our passport names, Nicholas and Matthew Jackson. Matthew said as the last two surviving EVPs, backstage morale is through the roof and catering is also a big hit. Their jobs are for things to run smoothly. They're running to top flight. and There's it's a pretty good little banter here. They're like, oh, you just arrived into the arena? And they're like, we've been here since one. Matthew asks why they're in there. Why are you not in your gear? Where are your credentials? And they're like, dude, you hired us. <laughs> Nicholas said next time it'll be a fine. And they start laughing like a bunch of goofs. They give each other a fist bump. And Matthew's like, we're killing it. Uh, commentary. He's like, how hypocritical. They just showed up. <laughs> that was a fun little, fun little spot. They're injecting yeah. the young bucks all over our show. Um, hey, yo. The EVPs. No. Wardlow defeats Trent. I thought this was going to be a one-handed squash, to be honest, which kind of would have been demoralizing if you're Trent, because the guys were right. both pretty strong recently. <laughs> it's so true. And for like the first couple of minutes, it felt like that's what it was going to be. Eventually, commentary kept putting over the fact that Trent is a battler, though. He's a he, he, he's not out. He, he's never going to be out. And Trent actually fires back at some points and actually does some real great offense to Warlow, including a fucking pile driver, like really close twos. And eventually it all ends when he, uh, Warlow catches a midair, spinning power slam and uh, stalling, lifting knee uh Last ride powerbomb for the win. Post-match, Wardlow goes to inflict more damage. It was called off by Adam Cole and company. Trent shoved Orange Cassidy away, but he was just frustrated. He cooled down and apologized to Cassidy. It's not a bad match. This was not a, yeah. not a it wasn't anything utterly spectacular, but, you know, it, it served its purpose, and that's, uh, I, I guess, setting up Wardlow for the rankings. It's the only yeah. thing I can actually think of. I mean, that makes sense. We get our face-to-face on the stage with Timeless Tony Storm and Deanna Prazo. They do a brilliant camera angle here where Tony Storm's side is in black and white and Deanna Prazo's in color. Um, there's just a lot of chirping. The main focal point here is Deanna Prazo's trying to remind Tony of who she is. And she pulls up this tattoo. And Tony Storm has the same exact tattoo that they got together. I believe it was made when they got, were training together in Japan. Yes. And um, I so. really cool angle, actually. Um, I guess yeah, Tony, Tony did a good job putting over Prazo as the best technical wrestler in, in the world. That That's the angle they're running with. Yeah. And yeah, I just I thought both of the ladies here delivered this very well. So any any thoughts you had on this one? I think this is going to be a fun feud. I'm oh, really yeah. enjoying this program. I think it makes complete sense to just throw Deanna straight into the in the world title scene as soon as she gets here because she's actually like been that level of. I mean, she's been the she was the top female in Ring of Honor for a while, you know, and in TNA at the same time. To be honest with you, like she was the top in both. You know what I mean? And then some other women, you know, like Jordan Grace and various others came in and, and were able to fill that you know the role in TNA for a while. But she's just been, she's constantly going around having great matches. So we know she can hold a program because she's had to, as one of the main stories on the show of multiple shows since, or I guess I should say in her recent career, you know what I mean? So we know she's capable of doing that. Um, and I did like the content here. I mean, the, the tattoo thing, I mean, I was saying to you, like, they had to have done that with the intention of 
storyline purposes when they did it because there's i mean maybe they did maybe they just wanted to get a tattoo because they were they were you know they were tight but i think it you know if, if i was a wrestler that's how i would think i'd be like all right everything everything is an opportunity even if we have other meaning behind it everything is an opportunity you know what i mean so um i'm really excited to see where this goes um it does suck that we have these like i complain about this a lot in this part of the year with aw but like it does suck that we have to drag things out so much because I do wish like we were getting this in like a couple of weeks because then I'd be like such more levels of hype. But that's there's also it's a double it's there's like a two sides to it. I'll be more hype when we get there because of that as long as they don't do something silly, you know, so. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think I, I personally prefer this over Tony having an entire separate feud right now and then doing Dion at the pay-per-view if that was the plan the entire time. Which we saw that so many times last year of the fucking six week pay per views. Okay, we're gonna do a fucking a mini feud first before we get to our real one. It's like, no, let's let's establish the match. And I think we're gonna get a Deanna and Mariah May match, which I am very looking forward to. So It does feel um, like Tony's attention is a little split right now between those two. And I'm I'm and knowing AW, that's all going to tie together in some way. That's usually how AW storytelling works. But uh, I do, I do a little bit worry um, about that because of just because I, you know, it, you can get. You, it's very easy in wrestling to like be like, all right, we're going to do all these things, and then at the same time. You know, like you just get lost in it. We, I'm trying to think who did that. Like last year, there was a big story like that. Maybe it was, maybe it was MJF. There's, it's just really easy to act, uh, overbook something. You know what I mean? And I don't want yes. them to do that here because I don't think no. Ryan May deserves to be a secondary part of a mainline feud. I think she deserves to have her own story told in its own time. Agreed. Uh, Moxley's backstage. He's pretty much cutting his same promo uh, that he did last week. He's here to pulverize and torture anyone who can't get the pro- get with the program. He's going to fight Lee Moriarty on Rampage. Ty Valkyrie and Johnny TV are backstage to reintroduce us to themselves. The most TV-ready couple in AEW. She's pissed off that Deanna is trying to cut the front of the line, and Johnny said no butts, no cuts, no coconuts. She challenged her to a match next week on Dynamite. That'll be a fun match. Swerve Strickland takes on and defeats Jeff fucking Hardy. This is one of those matches that uh, it was just a good time. I don't think it was technically sound or like, you know, an unbelievable match, but it was just a good time. And uh, Strickland stacking wins, beating legends left and right. Um, he had a really cool uh, Manhattan drop to a double leg drop hit. Dodging Hardy Swantons. Dodging his uh, Matt was out there, too. Which that was a nice touch, and uh, yeah, Strickland. He at one point mocked the twist of fate, and uh, yeah, Swerve stomp for the victory. One, two, three. I, I, I'm enjoying Jeff Hardy getting the TV matches. I, I think uh, it's so sad that he's actually fine, up. and that it's been wrestling with Matt that's kind of been dragging him. Now, I'm not saying that Matt hasn't been, or sorry, that Jeff hasn't also had some moments, but like. Fuck, you know, um, like it's 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 sad for Matt, right? Like it doesn't seem like things are going well for Matt right now. You know? Like, yeah. Um, Renee is backstage with Hangman Adam Page, 
congratulating him on his victory tonight. 3-0 in 2024. He has to be near the top of the rankings once they're released. Swerve interrupts and said he's also undefeated. And who was the last one to beat Paige? Paige goes, new year, new me, dumbass. Argues someone is going to knock Strickland down the rankings. He went to storm off, but Renee's like, hold on, right, wait right there. Next week, it's dealer's choice, and you'll each other pick, you'll pick each other's matches on Dynamite. So, more Hangman and more Swerve across your televisions next week. Or today, or tomorrow, whenever the hell Dynamite is for you. <laughs> um, Thunder Rosa and Red Velvet. Unfortunately, this was absolutely fucking slogged during a commercial. And um, But from what it was, Red Velvet looked good. Thunder Rosa looked good. I'm really enjoying seeing Thunder get these spots. Uh, And, yeah, it was just a quick, you know, this is borderline squash, but at the same time, they did respect Velvet in it. So, yeah, uh, post-match, he goes to call out Tony Storm or Julia Hart. And, uh, yeah, I I guess we're we're still keeping an eye on uh, what, what Thunder Rose is doing next. Sting and Darby Allen hit the ring. Tony's asking him what's next. Uh, Darby kind of goes over their career so far in AEW. Talks, brings up some stories. They're twenty-seven and zero with the ranking back. With the rankings back, it makes sense to challenge for the tag titles. He asks if Sting wants to end his career as tag team champions. Sting soaks in the chance and he says he's in. So we're finally going to get the tag team titles to main event a pay per view. And it's going to be Sting and Darby Allen versus the Young Bucks is what it sounds like. So that's going to be fucking awesome. Which means Young Bucks tag champions, baby. Yeah. Unless they fucking... Yeah, unless they... Unless they well, vacating, come on. I mean, hey. I really, really hope not. You do that, you better put really it back, back on the not. on the Bucks anyway, right? Like, who else are you going to put them on right now? Like, I mean, yeah. the Undisputed Kingdom don't need them. I mean, I guess they do need them, but they don't really need them, you know, like... Uh, Ricky Starks and Big Bill backstage. They thank them uh, for respecting to address them by name and by AEW World Tag Team Champions. Bill says, as far as their challenge goes, they accept. Stark says it's fitting that Sting's first match in AEW was against him in a tag match and promised Sting won't make it to Revolution. The acclaimed and Daddy Ass defeat the Mogul Embassy for the AEW Trio's titles. Yeah, this was not anything special. I guess Max Caster having a rap back for what felt like the first time in a while was kind of cool, but yeah. Is the Bang Bang Scissor Gang already fucking over? Yeah, they just need the Bullet Club Gold to beat the hell out of them and, and bring those titles to glory. There's a little vignette showed for Verena, Serena Deeb on Collision, and then we had our main event, which we've already covered, which was awesome. AEW Rampage. We open up with a John Moxley and Lee Moriarty match. Um, this is pretty solid. Charlie, Lee. what are you gonna do when when Tony Khan pulls the fucking ultimate OG move and takes the trios titles from New Japan and makes the Continental Trios Championship? Oh God, please no. That'd be nine championships around one team, nine belts. Imagine that flight. Yeah, you're not getting through customs with that. No. God, that's got to suck for Eddie, too. I'm sure he's happy to do it. He probably just drives everything. Yeah, right. Just imagine. Uh, but no, Lee looked like he belonged. They really played up the uh, idea that the Blackpool Combat Club did try to recruit Lee, but it, he just, it, didn't, it didn't end up happening. Um, 
this was a this was an enjoyable match. It wasn't. Uh, I, I thought it could have been better. For being completely honest, it dragged a little bit, which for a rampage match is kind of surprising. But this was a bad rampage, and I'm just gonna get that right out of the way now. Um, and on paper, it doesn't look like a bad one. That that to me is the most shocking thing of this entire fucking week of shows. I think on paper, Rampage looks awesome. However, whoa. And this match was kind of the opening one. I was like, you you tell me John Moxley and Lee Moriarty are getting in a match and they're getting 13 minutes? Dude, I'm like, okay, this match is going to be awesome. It just felt like it never got going. The best thing about this match, the best thing, was Shane Taylor fucking knocking Moxley in this shit right after the match. Dude, Shane hit that motherfucker hard. Yeah, Shane saved the segment basically himself. Like, I mean, the it match was, was fine. By Shane. But the match was—I thought the match was fine. I do agree that it didn't really get um, going. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, the match—I was so—I was so done with this match. I actually turned Rampage off after this moment. Went to bed that night and picked up Rampage the next morning. Damn! I pulled a classic, which I was, uh, yeah. Uh, Renee interviews Anna Jay and Angelo Parker. Parker asks Jay if she had anything to do with the Harley camera kissing. Um, and Jay's like, she fucking slaps the shit out of that motherfucker. Get your dumb man. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, this is a fun little angle. What's the end game? No idea. But I think uh, it has to do with Anna Jay being a babyface, which I'm down with. Yeah, maybe she'll go back to the Dark Order. Well, now. Stars of CMLL become, are become the female big show. <laughs> yeah. More to come tomorrow on Collision. This was uh, an announcement of an announcement, the classic, the AEW classic. Takeshita squashes Christopher Daniels. Dude, he hits a forearm that actually, I, I leaped out of my chair. Holy shit. Takeshita. Are you kidding me? I mean, if you, if you don't, I'm sure people who don't watch AEW or haven't been like a fan of the, you know, Christopher Daniels era of Ring of Honor, you know, like, I don't think we'll fully understand why this is such a big deal because, like, this is a guy that, even against some of the top young talents, gets way more than a lot of the other veterans do, even though he's really on the back end of and his. And he's a legend on top of it. Yes. So he's, he's a Ring of Honor legend. He's a legend in general. People just know who he is. Even if you don't really know wrestling, you might know him, you know, or I shouldn't say that. If you don't know a ton about everything, anything outside of WWE, you might have heard of Christopher Daniels. Um, and I think, um, I think the fact that he gets dismantled here, it's kind of, it's same energy as powerhouse Hobbs dismantling, you know, um, Chris Jericho, not the same level, but it's like a similar vibe. You know what I mean? Like, at least in the AEW space or sphere or whatever you want to call it. Like, no, Chris, Christopher Daniels. This was, this is really cool for, for Takeshita. I'm optimistic, but at the same time, I'm not, but Takeshita does have a big match now announced with Jericho and Phoenix. So let's hope. Takeshita beats the living shit out of him. And we move to Takeshita being a champion. It's time. And I don't know which title. Eddie. Roddy. Or presumably Adam Copeland. I don't know which title you're going to have Takeshita go for. But yeah, no, it's got to happen. And it might not even be Eddie's title. It might be Danielson. Oh my god. Wait a minute. Now that would be something. Hold on. Can Danielson, Danielson Takeshita for the Triple Crown? Can Danielson even hold up that many belts? Man's like fucking arms have got to be like fucking jelly at this point. This is how we get Takeshita in New Japan. We've cracked the code. That's it. Son of a bitch. Oh my God. 
Takeshita Sorry. versus Suji at fucking Wrestle Kingdom. He's probably going to lose to Jericho, and we're just going to be pissed. Oh, 100%. 100%. Hydretti was not allowed to happen. Private Party shut him down. Um, They've announced that match for Rampage next week. We actually got a fucking sick Rampage next week. Um, I think I have the card for pulled up for the end of the show here. I don't, but uh, I'll get it before we're done. Um, As you guys know, we like to do our little preview for the upcoming week, and uh, they've been announcing matches hot today. Um, Anna Jay defeats Ruby Soho. It's a pretty quick match. Um, good pop for Anna Jay. Matt Menard points out that uh, Ruby would know what was going on if she just watched the show. <laughs> you allowed to say that, Matt? I don't. I mean, that. but you know what? It's so it, <laughs> it got me. I was, I was like, dude. Can he say that? Is that a thing they're allowed to point out? I mean, it is kind of like that break like eighteen different fourth walls. It is I don't like no, because you know, I, I, like, man, Matt just out there saying things. Man, just let him cook. All right. If if imagine Matt Menard is actually like he's like secretly too smart, and he's the only guy that watches the show back, so we starts like solving every case i don't know there's fucking there's, matt menard there's something the fuck, there because matt no menard the f- watches the show unless you're like you know standing at a fucking i mean it is kind of silly degree angle essentially he's pointing out how silly it is that wrestlers who are on a tv show don't just look back whenever there's like some shenanigans like this you know what i mean like yeah in reality what he's really what he's really getting at is they shouldn't have shown that it was that it was harley that like, cheated or that, that forced them into it right away that it should have been like something that was revealed later Maybe. I mean, that might have been more dramatic. But, I mean, I understand why they did it so that you can be like, oh, okay. You know, like, I I don't know. It does seem, I I think that maybe is the only reason why there's an issue there. Like, if they had held it a little bit, then, but then again, we would have probably just been like. Dude, I dig it. I'm not going to lie. I, I think that shit's comedy. Oh, it's funny. I just yeah, think. It, let them cook. It, it would, Fuck. yeah, 100%. 100%. If you told me Ruby watches every week, but. She doesn't want to watch herself, right? If if you were like going that kayfabe with it, like yeah, she keeps up with the show, but you know some people are like, oh yeah, I'll make music, but I don't want to listen to myself, right? I, I would buy it, I would buy it, but I, I, that actually, I was just like, God damn it, it's it stuck with me. It, I had to write it down. I had to write it down. Um, but yeah, uh, Harley Cameron Soraya were doing a lot of the uh, shenanigans. Um. Yeah, they look they look like an awesome duo together, Harley and Soraya. They 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 I I hope they're like real life friends and they're just like, yeah, we finally got a chance to do shit together. So it could that, be. Uh, that's Harley really cool. did kind of come out of nowhere. It felt like you know what I mean. So it I'm would... glad they're keeping her around. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same energy as when Ruby Soho as Ruby Riot got brought into NXT and she was a known indie quantity, but she wasn't like on super anybody in the NXT spheres radar that I, I knew about at the time. You know what I mean? Like I was as a casual NXT watcher. I didn't know who that was. You know what I mean? So um, same energy. You come in. I would you... really like Ruby to get a collision slash ring of honor run. I, she could do really I, well with I, it. I think she would do very, very well. She hasn't it, had a bad match in like I feel like a, like a and, year and or something. Is, like you know, sub six minute match where there's a lot of shenanigans and she's putting Anna over. The spots that they had together, I thought they did perfectly fine. That being said, it was a six minute match and half of it was shenanigans and half of it was commercial. Yeah, so, so wasn't much. It was here. kind of a shit match. Yeah, but 
for what it's worth, they what they let them do, I liked. But let's pull an Athena with Ruby. Sent not quote not demote her. No, let her go to Collision. Let her run Ring of Honor. Maybe put her in this tournament as a surprise. She gets to the final, she loses, and it sets her on this. No, we can't have her lose another tournament final for a championship, bro. One of these has to crack her. And and I think if you let her bring in a Ring of Honor and you know I don't know Red Velvet, uh, Rachel Ellering, whoever you're gonna have win this thing. And you just let that be the last straw, and then she just starts beating the living shit out of everyone. I don't know, there's something there. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I'm definitely down with that. I just, I, I, you know, I just don't know. Because that's I, their gimmick at this point, and they would bring it up constantly. You know, oh, yeah. Ronnie. Oh he yeah. Would be saying that over and over, like it's finally time. She's going to avenge it. It's not Britt Baker. It's not Jade Cargill. She's going to be the one. Third time's the charm, unless there's already been three. But you know. However many times. Anyway, like, this is this is finally time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Renee's interviewing Eddie. This was pretty good. Talking about Brian Danielson's lack of respect. I really like what they did on Collision with this. Said he doesn't care that Danielson doesn't respect him. He offered a non-title match to Willie Mack for Collision. We have a freshly squeezed four-way. Hey yo, no Commander, Kip Sabian, Vikingo, and the Butcher. I I think it's safe to say those are two elite-level luchadors. Yep. One good wrestler and the Butcher. No. Hey, leave Butcher, Butcher alone. No, no, the Butcher's good. The Butcher's good. Um, B. I think on paper, that should be great together. Yeah. Holy shit, was this fucking clunky. I don't know yeah. what it was. I don't know what it was. I can tell you exactly what it was. You had, Every single you had time a tag happened. team match that was a fatal four-way. That's what you had here. Like, Yeah, and every single time like they went to transition to like something, it felt like someone wasn't on the right cue. And it's not just one person. It felt like all four of them were like just not gelling together. And I don't know. It's like, yeah, blows my mind because we like, know still how good. Great the Kindle Actually, and Commander were together. Both the Lucha and, dudes looked good in this match. It's just everyone else around, like the other two around them, just kind of felt yeah, like they were when, there. Like what doesn't make sense to me is when Commander and Kip Sabian had their one on ones mm-hmm. twice. It was all fucked up, and I don't know why. Like what the fuck happened? I don't know, but no idea. This, it, but it, I would say I would agree with you. This was the worst. This has to be one of the worst main events we've had in a while. And on paper, it looks beautiful. This, I, I guarantee you. You know, I, the term "spot fest." You, you say that, and everyone kind of runs wild with it. Like, oh, just look at the Young Bucks matches. No, no, no. When you when you actually just do spots with no meaning for fucking anything. I imagine it looks something like that that we just watched. You no, know, 100%. Because there, was, just there no, was no reason for anything happening. There was a lack of chemistry all around, which is kind of wild because these people have wrestled with each other. Other, like I wouldn't say Vikingo and Commander specifically. I don't know. I, they might have gotten a match with Kipper Butcher at some point, but I don't remember that specifically off the top of my head. But even if they didn't, we know how great these other two are. This so was probably like, just an off night for all four guys, let's I, be I honest. Think it was. I, I think was. I think a lot of their plans just fell through and in the moment and just no one really recovered the right way. And- well, it does seem like we've seen this before, but Kingo is very good at recovering. And that's one of the things that makes when he does something really crazy and it doesn't quite work. I think when everybody's doing that, it's kind of just going that way. And some of the basic stuff is not really landing. Like, I think it's really, really difficult for somebody like that. I wonder what, like, we've never really seen Ricochet do that. Right. But I'm sure if Ricochet was in a similar situation, he might not know what to do. Cause he, his entire thing for a long time was a similar thing, you know? 
Um, so, you know, sometimes it just, you know, hey, not every match is going to be a banger. But yep. Kingo had to have a bad one eventually, you know? I, I just read this thing, and oh my god, does this make so much sense? It's from uh, the Wrestling Observer thing that we use for our background. Um, <laughs> The guy wrote, this show felt like the end of a long taping. Holy shit, he fucking nailed it. It really yeah. did. I think everyone was this just done. This show felt like the end of a long taping. Like, it was hour four of a taping. It wasn't, but still. Yeah, so... Uh, disappointed to 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 announce that this rampage wasn't that great. If you guys do skip rampage and you're you know you just kind of go vicariously, yeah, this might be a skippable or, one. Or you check other stuff out. Yeah, there's not a single thing I'd watch on this. So, um, and it's disappointed. Was I'll tell you what? If you can find the Takeshita fucking forearm on Twitter and you're a a, a holy shit spot like us, where you 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 get off on shit like that, you'll enjoy that hey, spot. Yo? But, um, um, yeah. So uh, if you let's let's jump into collision where. Holy shit. Collision was fucking Yeah, awesome. we're about to have a drastic contrast yeah. in the level of quality. <laughs> and as you start, yep, I'm going to I'm going to grab a pineapple myself, you son okay. of a bitch. Yep, so. I, I had to do it to you. Um Claudio Castagnoli and John Moxley took on Shane Taylor Promotions. I also like that we didn't it wasn't even we, we didn't fuck around with the cold open. We didn't do any intros or anything like that. We just jumped straight into the show. I'm not sure if they just didn't know we're like late or something and they had to jump straight in, but we didn't even get I maybe maybe just missed the uh the intro but i do not believe they played it this week uh maybe that was a uh, by accident but either way uh we had moxley's music hit and then they obviously him and claudio came out of the ring the entrance took about seven years it felt like um but that's okay because they literally are on the other side of the crowd when they come in so that makes sense um i, I do think they got really aggressive with this off rip um i do love how the different like, it does feel like collision has a different feel to it and that to me is why i like collision so much and why i gas the show so much um, and why you can tell there's like a change of energy when we talk about collision as opposed to even dynamite because dynamite's phenomenal. It's the best show usually in a lot of weeks, but, um, collision just tends to match quality with it very re- regularly, if not exceed it, which is like, you'll have a crazy dynamite and you're like, oh man, and this might be a dynamite week where dynamite's the better of the two main shows, but collision, especially this week, it feels like it really got in there. So they were in there. They were, you know, Claudio did the strength spots. We had Shane Taylor lighten people up with heavy shots. Lee, I, Lee is very, very talented, and I just feel like sometimes I'm, I'm missing something from him. I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just being a little too critical of him because of how much I like him. I do tend to do that with the wrestlers I really like. And I end up getting rewarded sometimes because sometimes I'll just like a wrestler who doesn't really make mistakes like that. And so like Orange Cassidy is a perfect example. Like I've never really had anything I can think I can ever complain about in a Orange Cassidy situation, except for maybe the story that's happening around him. But it's never him. It's never like something he did or didn't do. Um, I, I, I do find myself thinking that sometimes I'm like, ah, what is missing here? You know, I do think Shane Taylor is going to add that dimension to him. That's going to make people notice him more. Um, but I do worry a little bit for Lee because I just he's been trying so hard the last few years to try and make something work and he's just there's been various things that got in the way and I really hope that he can I do think they let Shane and him cook here um and so I think that's really good overall I think um I think allowing that I mean it's great that they let this happen on collision because I'm not sure that they would have gotten the same amount of time on a dynamite certainly not on a rampage and if this was on Ring of Honor, I mean, it would probably be like two minutes or something like that. So, like, I'm glad this was on Collision because they're actually going to give the match time and they're going to let the guys get something in there. Um, and I do think they did a good job to to open the show. You know, they were out there slapping meat, you know, and uh, and it was a great time. Um, 
But then you cut to backstage. We have Lexi interviewing the Undisputed Kingdom. And uh, Commander was also back there. I mean, I guess she was really interviewing Commander, but then the Undisputed Kingdom were also back there at the start of it. So I guess they just showed up while he was about to get interviewed. And they're they're attempting basically to get Commander to like work with them because they don't want to face Orange Cassidy for the international championship at Revolution. So they're trying to get Commander to win. And then, you know, then he faces them. And, uh, you know, I mean, I guess... I guess it makes sense for them to want to do that. It didn't really land for me, but I mean, hey, I, you know, not everything Roddy does has always landed for me. So, you know, but I do think I like that they're still involving them. It did feel a little bit like, all right, we have to get Roddy involved in this somehow. So let's just throw him in a backstage segment. And it just didn't quite land for me. But Charlie, did you have any thoughts? Um, first you about- know what I think it is. I okay. think this is them working out the kinks of how do we how do we keep Roddy involved while not having him involved? Right. Yeah, they're kind of not the greatest at that in AEW, even though they tell long-term no. stories. Sometimes it can be difficult. No, they to... really don't do it often. They they don't yeah. do stuff like this often with a with a secondary title. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just even at All Out, Luchasaurus and Darby Allen, they didn't interact for like three weeks at one point, but we knew the match was happening. So I think it's just something they're trying. It's yeah. a trial and error. 100%. We, we see it in Lifetime a lot here. So. Oh, yeah. But uh, I got to tell you, I really enjoy seeing Roddy with the kingdom. Yeah, it does feel right. Every time right. they're on screen together, I kind of just it 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 makes me happy. I don't I don't know what else to describe it. It it really I can't wait I to see them in trio. I can be a really big fan of. Yeah, that's that's what I'm most excited to see out of them because as a trio, I mean, I think every time we've seen the undisputed king or sorry the undisputed king, every time we've seen the kingdom specifically, you know, uh, Taven and Bennett, whenever we've seen them wrestle in a trio scenario, they've been good. So you throw like a ridiculously good wrestler like uh, like Roddy in the mix, and that's going to be fun to put. In. Imagine them versus Bullet Club Golden Trios, or them versus, um, you know, the House of Black, or anything. You know, like it just like they're they get us some really good matches, and uh, they're obviously doing some good stuff right now. Shit, dude, give me them versus Death Triangle, dude. Any of the t- any of the trios that we have established when Kenny is healthy, them and you know him and the Young Bucks, you know, um. Hell, bring back Bobby and just run it. Kyle and them versus Roddy in the kingdom. You know what I mean? Like, that's fucking money right there. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many options you can have. Um, we had Orange Cassidy take on Commander for the AW International Championship, obviously, coming out of that. Uh, Commander and Orange Cassidy had a little bit of hug spot there because, you know, for people that don't know, they've had uh, matches where I believe Commander has teamed with Orange Cassidy and the best friends before. Um, so that makes sense. They're, they're like, hey, we're boys. We'll hug it out a little bit. Um, they did a lot of really good, like, lucha-flavored stuff here that I really enjoyed. And it wasn't just, like, flippy sort of, you know, uh, high-spot stuff. It was literally just, like, they did, like, wrestling. Sorry, they did, like, Mexican submission wrestling. And they did Mexican chain wrestling. And they did, you know, all that sort of lucha vibes from Mexico that uh, Orange Cassidy's obviously, like, he's very coded in that stuff, even as an American wrestler. You know, he used to wrestle as Fire Ant and, like, a complete, like, what looks like what you're, like, the default created wrestler luchador, you know, outfit that they give you in WWE 2K, you know, it, but like he did that and he respected the style and he was a really big star. Well, I wouldn't say star. He was a really big name in Chikara. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, you know, it makes complete sense. The commander would be like, Hey, you know, you know what you're doing with lucha shit, right? They even did Charlie, this spot that I think I've seen in a couple of matches from that when it was luchador taking on luchador where, excuse me, they traded back and forth. On Agoria Special or Agoria Special in English, um, you know it, it's and they were just like like shifting their weight a little bit and and switching over the you know it's like it's like when someone reverses you know a uh, 
a figure four. They were just like reversing the pressure on each other. And I, I thought that was, you know, I mean, how often do you see that in, in American wrestling? You know what I mean? Like, um, oh, yeah. So I, I think they did a good job here. Um, I, I feel like Commander is really, really good. And it feels like he has been just given, I feel like he just needs something to do right like we've had him under contract for a while but we've never really done yeah. anything with him do you think it's like there's a limitation there because maybe because of the lack of being able to cut promos and stuff like that because i feel like we've proven with guys you like know, i i just don't know it's it's like Takeshi doesn't need it like it's one of those things I, I guess sometimes if you're just putting him on the show it that's more than enough so i guess i i think commanders kind of fallen victim to that if you will it's uh We've seen it a lot of over the time. I mean, it was Sky Blue for the longest time in the women's yeah. division. They only get one match a night, so other than Collision the night, baby. Uh, but, oh, you know, yeah. the Dante Martin effect, if you will, where as long as he was getting booked, it eventually figured itself out. And, you know, now he's in a program with Private Party. And, That's kind of how Daniel Garcia was when we first started yeah, watching. He's 100%, 100% like Daniel Garcia. Speaking of Daniel Garcia, we cut backstage to an injured Daniel Garcia who has been, we would find out later, attacked by the House of Black to try and get him out of the match for the elimination escape the cage match later. Um, but, you know, uh, it's a it's an injury angle they were running. Um, I, I don't love these angles, i got to be honest with you. It's fine, but, like, I don't know. Is it really, like, does it do anything for anybody when they, like, start off not in the match and then they join the match? And it was really quick in this one, too, so I don't know. We'll get to it when we talk about that match. Mariah May took on Lady... Or sorry, I, I skipped a segment. My bad. Tony Storm was backstage uh, with Mariah May and uh, Lutha. And she cut like a pretty out-of-pocket promo here. Um, let me just pull up what she actually said, because she always says some fucked-ass shit. Um, so let me, just, let me just go to my... Uh, we use these uh, Wrestling Observer things. I'm just going to go, because they usually get a pretty good uh, job of getting stuff down. Let me... Uh, I scroll right past it. Look at me. Um, do, 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 do. All right. So, oh, sorry. To be clear, this was recorded on Dynamite, apparently. Um, and Tony Storm was upset with Deanna Perrazzo's attack on uh, Lutha. And then Mariah May is like, yo, will you watch my match on Collision? She's like, oh, yeah, I'll totally do that. And then she's like, yeah, it's in, uh, where is it going to be? And she's like, oh, it's in Bossier City. And uh, <laughs> apparently... Uh, Tony Storm had some issues with racehorses that left her with a bad reputation. You know, I'm not the only one that writes shit in wrestling reviews that sounds out of pocket when you type it the way that you type it. This motherfucker just did that too. Anyway, um, Storm had some issues with racehorses that left her from with a bad reputation. <laughs> fucking Christ, man. <laughs> fucking, we're all fucking so horny. Tony Storm's the brilliant, world. dude. Um, yeah, she so is. brilliant. 100%. I do, this is kind of what I was getting at when I mentioned that I do think it's a little, it could be getting a little overbooked with doing Mar IMA and Rihanna Perrazzo's story with her at the same time. Like, I do think it's going to be a slower burn with Mar IMA, but I do feel like I still, I feel like in AEW, the slow burn background story ends up sometimes becoming like, do you know what I'm saying? And then we go straight into a Mar IMA match after this versus Lady Frost. And so I think in people's minds, they're going to be thinking more about Mar IMA than Deanna Perrazzo coming out of this, which is. I don't know if that's good or bad. Uh, you know, uh, Mariah May is very talented, though, so I'm sure she'll pick it up if she has to. Um, speaking speaking of, like, I think it's interesting that Lady Frost and Mariah May both chose each other separately to be their first matches. So Mariah May chose Lady Frost to be her first match 
on American soil and vice versa for Lady Frost. I believe it was in Japan or wherever it was, or maybe it was in England, wherever, wherever, was, the, wherever it was, the two of them wrestled uh, outside of the United States. I just think that's interesting. They must uh, have like some, you know, they must have some respect for each other if they're doing that, you know? Um, I do like everything I'm seeing from Mariah May right now. I am struggling to see the vision for Mariah May right now, Charlie. Um, Nigel also had a casual reference to brawl in here, which I thought was kind of hilarious that he just slipped that in there. Um, cause like they talked about all in, they were talking about, Oh, you know, like, uh, Mariah May, what was it? They were saying Mariah May could face on, on all in maybe. I, I don't know, but Oh wait, it was another British wrestler. Right. Anyway, the point is, um, Mariah May on all in would be, maybe it was just lady frost. I don't know. The whole, the point is they, they were talking about all in and then fucking Nigel talked about how fucking reputations were ruined. <laughs> Nigel, what he do? Nigel gives no fucks. And I nah, he doesn't give a shit. Um, and yeah, so I, I still do expect a lot from Mariah May. I'm just a little bit, I'm a little bit struggling to see the vision trailer. Do you have, do you have any thoughts on that? I just, I feel like she's kind of on pause right now. Almost like, I feel like she's the addition of the plus one to this Tony Storm storyline, right? And I think they're going to just kind of play a wait and see. I, I honestly don't mind if if she's just Tony's plus one for like the first few months. And, you know, maybe even Tony recruits her to go, oh, well, let's get that other title. You I'm know? fine with that too, but why are we teasing up the tension between them now? I know people love I feel like it's the more, deep storytelling. It's more but... like crazed fan tension than than disliking each other so i mean i like i feel like it's not a disliking each other tension that's that's at least the way i've been seeing it i feel like they're giving their options open for eventually either tony becomes way too jealous of mariah may or mariah goes you know full berserk crazed fan and ends up wanting to you know execute the person she used to love so <laughs> I mean, that would play it because there's like a really, you know, there's a couple uh, options there, you know, I, I agree, but I, I'm still, I'm uh, again, cautiously, cautiously optimistic. It's like the now, phrase I've been Mariah using like crazy lately. Used as a person that wrestles all of Tony's opponents before her and loses every fucking time that would get old. Jamie Especially Hader? like, like she can lose to Deanna and I'm okay you're saying you don't want her to be where Jamie Hader was two years ago is what you're saying. Like, yeah, like eventually they realized, oh. Jamie's a fucking badass. Let's do this. So, I think could be trying to replicate that storyline. If we're being completely honest, I mean it's the one that worked. And if it yeah, does not work, is you know? Luther the rebel in this storyline? Luther rebels against society and starts his own colony in the, in Africa and and recruits people to his cult and the righteous. He's he joins the righteous. No, he looks like being the righteous right now. He does. He got the. He's got no hair. Um, so I have a question, Charlie, genuinely, um, is, is Hangman Adam Page versus Strickland? Is it, is it, are we making a mistake by making that the main focus of this as opposed to like, I mean, cause I feel like the only concern I have with whenever you put this kind of story in with Samoa Joe is mm. that it starts to like the world title becomes almost secondary, which maybe it should. But... If they weren't booking it the way that they've been doing it, I would totally agree. But they've made the world title the focus. And that that to me comes from someone up top is pretty smart making that the, the focus. Because no okay. matter what, at the forefront of Hangman and Swerve, it's the world title. 
And even the way they opened up Dynamite with Joe, it's the world title. So I, I, I think if it were booked weaker or booked, you know, maybe they structured everything differently, it could totally feel like the world title secondary. Okay, that's fair. Um, uh, we had uh, Swerve Strickland backstage, and he selected Toa, uh, Toa Leona, for those of you who don't know, of the Gates of Agony, slash the, I guess, the Mogul Embassy in general, and he's going to be facing Adam Page next week. That should be a good match. We haven't seen Toa in singles in, God, Toa probably like two years. pinned. Oh, in ever? In AEW or Ring oh, of Honor. AW. okay. Yeah, so that's going to be a big deal. Um, so, yeah, so Toa will probably take his first pinfall loss. I mean, he probably oh, won't. From what probably. I was reading, they have had people fact-check that, so that's not just one of those throwaway lines. That's pretty big right. for Toa. I, I think this match is going to be big then. Oh yeah, they're gonna make they're gonna actually let Toa cook, and we've seen what I mean. Remember the reason why we put we wanted Toa and um and uh and uh, uh Bishop together in the first place, Bishop Khan, uh, was because they had a match. Remember, randomly on like Dark or something like that, and they were like pretty good against each other, and we're like, hey, there might be something there. And then they tagged them like randomly because they love to do that on Dark. You'll face each other one week and then be in a tag team two weeks later, you know. Um, but yeah, with that manager too, that was like one of the first Ring of Honor shows with Tony. That was cool. Yeah, who was that manager? Because they ended up bringing a nod to replace him. Or no, am I getting names no. mixed up? Blanchard? I don't know. It's one of those legends. Yeah, I think it was Tully because Tully had just left the Pinnacle or whatever. So I think yeah, it was Tully, and then Tully I think went back to WWE maybe or something like that. Um, or he just he didn't renew his contract with AEW, and it was like a sudden one. It was one of those ones we weren't expecting, and it just happened. He just he just uh. He just didn't return. Tolio um, was only 32 years old. Yeah, dude's right in the middle of his prime. He'll, he'll give Adam a good match. Hangman Page was also giving us his answer. Well, he actually didn't. He's like, yeah, I'm not the fucking tell you who you're facing. Find out next week. But you might, or, or you'll have to wait the whole effing show, you know, like to find out basically is what he said. And I was like, okay, so it's, it's going to be Rob Van Dam. advertise it. That makes sense, yeah. Um, I, I, I would advertise it. At, yeah, don't let it be Swiss-Rickard versus to be determined. Like, literally. If it's RVD, say. I'd advertise it tonight. I, 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 you, need to, you need to sell a couple extra tickets, and that, that would probably do it. 100%. Um, yeah, we had Eddie Kingston take on Willie Mack in a triple, ground, triple crown proving ground match. So I guess the, the Ring of Honor proving ground does apply to the triple crown. I guess that makes sense because the Ring of Honor world title had it before. But um, I do think Eddie allowed him to cook here. Uh, Willie took a fucking nasty bump on one of his uh, on one of his like um, standing like uh, like moon salts or whatever those like standing shooting stars whatever those were he just landed right on his fucking head man um, that's the first actual mistake like that I've seen Willie make that I can remember so hopefully he's okay you know um, basically the point of this match was uh, Brian comes out for his match next against Blue Justice Yuji Nagata and uh, Brian just completely no sells Eddie on the ramp as he's walking back. Um, Brilliant. Still, really feels like Willie Mack has not been allowed to cook, though. They're they're putting him in these like limited time matches where he's gonna give he's got to give the other person enough to make them look legit. You know what I mean? Like, and and Eddie Kingston even said in the promo before this match he wanted to give Willie Mack an opportunity, and I feel like he did, but I feel like I still don't feel like Willie Mack has been allowed to like we we got one match with Willie Mack where he actually got allowed to cook, and it was phenomenal. You know, like yeah, like this. Just, yeah, whatever. It's like, does he deserve a, a Ring of Honor World Title match? But I guess that's what the Proving Grounds is for. So, yeah, I actually, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain on that. Yeah, I would like to see Willie Cook, man. 
Yeah. But I mean, hey, uh, I guess the story here is Eddie and, and Brian still chugging along, uh, which because Eddie got no sold on the ramp, he walked out and joined commentary for Yuji Nagata versus Brian Danielson. But we all know the real reason why he was out there. He wanted to see this fucking match, you know, um, as did all of us. Eddie had some nerd info about uh, Yuji Nagata's time as IWGP champion. Um, don't put it past Eddie to have some Japanese wrestling nerd knowledge. He's uh, the original Japanese wrestling nerd, let's be honest. Um, it's just like a surreal match between like an American legend and a bona fide Japanese wrestling re- legend. You know what I mean? Like, and I just love that Brian's ha- having these incredible matches. He's fucking having a ball out there on every week and just every match that he has feels like how is it he has managed, Charlie, to make every match that he has feel so important, even though they're just ran- really they're just random matches he clearly wants to have, you know what I mean? Like, but they all feel like fucking insanely important. Um, and I also love this is the first story we're getting from Ed- for Eddie as champion. Throwing up against Brian right away, it just immediately elevates. The- it's just like doing it with MJF. If you put Brian as the first contender for a major championship that somebody just won, you're going to get good results. He's very good at setting the table for yeah. a title run. So if, but I think a lot of people are expecting Brian to win and he might, um, this debate, apparently, I think if I heard correctly on commentary, the last time these two wrestled Charlie, was like 20 fucking years ago or something like that. Yep. So that's and, insane. And this idea that, you know, Danielson just pinned uh, a former all Japan triple crown champion and he's, he's giving him all the respect in the world. Well, at the same time, he's disrespecting the American triple crown champion. It just, it's, it's awesome, man. There's so many layers here. Yeah, this is an onion of a wrestling story, and I love it. Uh, they hit a really, really phenomenal avalanche exploder off the top. The I guess it wouldn't be an avalanche exploder off the bottom. but um, And they did... Oh, Charlie, there was this one thing, and I would not have expected this from a, a guy that looks as old for a Japanese wrestler as, as Nagata does, but dude hit some fucking brilliant kicks in an exchange with Brian. They had a really, gay, yeah. excuse me, a really great uh, sequence exchange of kicks there, whatever you want to call it. And uh, at the end... Uh, Eddie sitting up on the commentary table. Brian's walking back to the back. He gets a little middle finger to Eddie. It's like, fuck you, man. And uh, this story, it's cooking, Charlie. And uh, FDR, we had backstage. And I believe Lexi was the one interviewing there. It could have been Renee, though. And they're like, hey, man, like, what, what's going on with Daniel Garcia? We're, we're in front of the uh, the medical room. You know, our, I think that's what it was. I think it's literally what it said on the door, like medical or something like that. Um, but either way. Um, and FTR are like, yeah, man, um, I guess we'll fight two on three if we have to. Here comes Mark Briscoe being like, hey, I got you guys back if you need it. And I was a little surprised that they actually set up somebody to fill in because in my head, I was like, oh, does that mean Dan, Danny's not actually wrestling? I don't know. We'll see. Um, but they obviously set that up so that there would be a story there for the main event. Brian Cage was also backstage. Um, and he challenged Hook to an FDW championship match. And then Hook came in and said, all right, fine, we'll have a match. And then he stole Brian Cage's line saying, who's better? Uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I guess this is what Hook's doing next. Uh, we're talking about going from the world title scene to Brian Cage. We're going to talk about the motions, Charlie. Yikes. <laughs> um, that's tough for Hook, you know what I mean? But I mean, you know, there is... I guess you could argue, okay, he was part of Team Taz. Okay, he probably was involved with, with Hook in some... I mean, we know he was involved with Hook. Hook was part of the faction. But, like, you know, it it does feel like it lacks a little bit of flavor because of Brian Cage. But, I mean, maybe maybe Brian Cage will do that thing where he has the, the one match a year where he proves me wrong, you know? Um, I wouldn't put it past him being able to... I mean, he obviously, you know, 
him and Taz must be friends. So maybe he wants to put over Hook big. We'll see. Yeah. No, I, it's as long as Hook is staying on TV right now and and not just falling to the wayside. I think it's important. So that's yeah. true. That's fair. I'll I'll agree with that. I'm also kind of down if Hook becomes a ran- uh, collision guy. Hundred percent. That'd be kind of cool. Get him off Rampage. Get him on a main show. Get him on a two-hour show where you can give him some time. You know what I mean? Um, Serena Deeb is here in her return, taking on Robin Renegade. Um, she had some nice welcome back chants here. Um, yeah. She was weakening well, we got, the knee. This oh. is already a, this was, uh, the favorite, so we were already. Oh hitting. yeah, you're right. I already went through this. You're right. My brain broke. Um, I let me see. Did I have anything I didn't? I think I just like kind of like let you go off on that. Did I have anything I wanted to add? Eh, not really. The promo was very good at the end. I was That's, very, I, that, yeah. that we yeah. Did we mention that? I wasn't sure if you yeah, mentioned yeah, that or did. not. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. As long as you mentioned that, then we're good. Um. But yeah, no. I just like that line of putting wrestling back into AEW or all elite wrestling back. It was brilliant. Whatever. That was good stuff. Um. Okay. So we got an announcement for a match next week. Uh. I think it's for next week anyway. Which is going to feature some big stars, or I'm not sure if they're big stars, but some stars uh, from CMLL. Um, some badass lucha dudes. So, uh, I didn't get the names, Charlie. Do we have them? I do um, have the names. Um, okay. Volador Jr., Mystico, Mascara Dorada, and Heike Sierra. Heike Sierra. There's probably 1,800 different ways is I could Dorada? say that. Isn't that, um, isn't that the, didn't he change his name back from Dorada or is that a different guy? I will double check it right now. I thought he was, uh, I thought that was the guy that we had recently that went yeah, under That is name. Grand Metalik. Yeah, so Metalik, he just went back to, because yeah. he was Metalik when he was here before, so maybe he just went back to it because he wasn't finding as much success under the name Metalik, I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, so that should be a fucking insane match, I'm sure. Um, so yeah. Oh, it's going to be on Rampage. Okay, that should still be a good match for Rampage. I mean, hey, you were saying Rampage is looking pretty so- solid, so. Dude, I mean, let's, <clears> Rampage, again, is that, that breeding ground of just, like, lucha matches and the women's division. I think Rampage would actually really benefit from it. 100%. All right, so. This next match, a bit chaotic. Had a really, really chaotic start to it, and it was chaotic continuously throughout. So, we had FTR and Daniel Garcia versus the House of Black, and it escaped the cage elimination match again, whatever the fuck that means. Um, and initially, there was no Daniel Garcia. FTR even made their entrance, and then immediately, Mark Briscoe made the entrance with them. So, immediately, as the match starts, Mark Briscoe is supposed to be the guy in the match. But, as soon as you know Mark Briscoe comes out, the lights go out, House of Black music starts, and then, and I love the way they did this, Charlie. As the flames kick up, you get fir- your first shot of the House of Black, and they're beating the piss out of Mark Briscoe, and then the lights come up, and they toss him off the stage through a table. Just a perfect start to a chaotic fucking match. And that was absolutely brilliant. It was like metal. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, immediately we got some barks in for, for Brody. They had a long segment of actually beating people down on the outside of the cage before the match really got started. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, it's fine. It's definitely different than a lot of cage matches. Um, it did feel like we weren't having a cage match for a little bit though. I will say that, you know, um, but you know, eventually, um, they did get inside the ring and then they started doing lots of spots. There was actually way less spots involving the cage than I would have thought. Again, I think they're trying to make cage matches feel unique now. And one thing you usually see in a lot of them, and then they're still throwing people into their ropes and uh, into the cage. I do think it's kind of funny. I don't know if this is something that it's just something I've noticed in AEW, but maybe this is something that happens in other, like I've never noticed how much they actually bounce off the cage when they hit the ropes. That shit has to be annoying, you know? Um, 
but because you're used to just bouncing off the ropes and like hitting your shit so you probably just have to get used to it i wonder if they have to do that on cage matches like hey it's lower it i just need to hit the cage a couple times so i know what i'm doing you know because it's been a while you know probably not but um they're all pretty pretty fucking talented they could probably figure it out so there were some uh pretty big spots throughout this match daniel garcia did eventually come out and make the save uh as they were getting beat down on the outside which uh then he was in the match obviously at that point so i guess i should have mentioned that before they got into the cage but then House of Black get a little bit of a beatdown on. They throw everybody into the cage. They get in themselves. And then within minutes of that, Charlie, we lose sight of Cash Wheeler off screen for a bit while they're beating down Danny and um, and Dax. And Cash Wheeler, he scales the cage, Charlie. And he takes everybody the fuck out with a dive off the top. This match started off so fucking I, I insane. I was fucking hyped when Cash hit that dive, dude. Bro, Cash is insane. I love it. Um, so, yeah. There was just kind of crazy spots throughout, you know. Uh, there was one point, uh, you know, Brody King was attempting to follow. Was it who was he was trying to follow out of the cage? Was it Dax? I can't remember. Um, but either way, he attempts to follow him out of the cage and does just straight topes his head straight into his, the, the, the cage door. He does end up making it out, but it costs him quite a bit, you know. Um, and that basically takes Brody out for the good majority of the rest of this match. You don't really see him back on his feet until toward the end after, uh, one of his uh, partners takes a bump through a table later. Um, we had, uh, cash, I believe it was also took a bump off the side of the cage through a table. And we had buddy Matthews get chucked off the apron after he'd climbed down to try and, you know, take out uh cash. If you think about that from that perspective now. Yes, he was trying to just hurt him, right? But it is kind of silly that he essentially gave FTR and Daniel Garcia the the advantage by dropping him off the side of the cage intentionally. But I mean, whatever. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he just wants to hurt him, you know. Um, but who actually cares? No, no. If you again, if that's the problem we're having with a wrestling match, like that's 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 just me being like weird and like like hyper, you know, um, analyzing everything that at a level it probably doesn't need to be, you know. Um, but. Uh, I believe, and I want to make sure I get this right, because we had a misting. I believe it was Julia Hart hit uh, Daniel Garcia with the mist out of nowhere. Uh, the Randy Orton RKOs were in. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I, there wasn't like a, Charlie, correct me if I'm wrong here. They did do wrestling, and there were wrestling spots, but it was mostly like just like slams and moves. It wasn't like, it didn't feel like we ever really got cooking on the wrestling. I could just be have like been like, mentally not fully checked into this match which is you know yeah, but no, this was definitely much more of a fight yeah and, and you felt that which vibe. makes sense yeah no one was really hitting in-ring fucking technician work here this was a fight yeah um i do like that they are keeping julia involved and not just having her be off doing her own separate thing with the tbs championship which it did feel like um was at one point but we had a, a garcia who was like literally just covered his entire face and chest in the mist. And um, he calls out Malachi Black, who is about to escape the cage. He's like, come finish me, bitch, basically. Bitch. And uh, he does. And after he does a couple of, you know, he, he Daniel Garcia fights back. He gets the advantage. He starts climbing the cage. But the door is open, Charlie. And slowly, slowly starting to drag himself toward that cage door is Malachi Black. And at the last possible second before he would have escaped, and Garcia was just rounding the top of the cage at this time, so he would have gotten out first more than likely, even if he you know, made it like really dramatic and just barely dragged himself by one hand or something like that. Mark Briscoe slams the cage door in his face, knocks him out. Daniel Garcia escapes. Daniel Garcia and FTR pick up the win in the elimination steel cage match. This was just a fun match. This definitely could have qualified for a favorite. 
Um, Definitely. I think this was really fun. Just anything you wanted to add to this, Charlie? I thought this was a really fun match and a really great way to end yeah, the show. Yeah, this is, this is a good time, a uh, good gimmick that they set it up with. Uh, in terms of, it was it, something we don't really see often, you know? Um, Will Washington clarified that this was always the intention. There were some rumors this week of uh, people not wanting to take a job, but it was more or less just uh, something people said and others took it and ran with it as a fact and a report. And, you know, that's kind of the way shit usually goes down. When when people, I'm sure one day I will get shit for my opinion about Meltzer being that he is better than a lot of the other wrestling journalists, but he even himself doesn't realize how people, how seriously people take everything that he, that comes out of his mouth, you know, like, yeah. And it creates these scenarios. And, like, I bet he's sitting back right now feeling, like, really silly. Or maybe he thinks he was still right, but somehow it changed. I don't know. I'd love to hear what he thinks. He never he never addresses it when he's just blatantly wrong like this, you know, like. Yeah, no. And um, it'll be interesting to see. I, mean, I was uh, just saying what I thought. I wasn't saying facts. Yeah, that's yeah, that's why uh, you know, I, was, I was telling you it earlier. Um, one of the guys that fall for entertainment and media news, just in general, John Campia, every time he... He goes to state an opinion. He he states it that it's an opinion because he's been qu- caught being misquoted and and something reported so many times that he was like, yeah. So now every time he goes to mention something like that, he just he says, no, this is not a report. I'm not reporting anything. Um, and yeah, but it's no, not going to matter though. He will no. he can still say that, and people will still run with it like it's a fact because it, in their mind, it matches what they want. The, it matches their confirmation bias that they want that to be true, so that they can get Buddy and Malachi and feel like they snagged another. But they're not really snagging when there is a WWE talent that came to AEW and got used way more effectively and efficiently than they ever were in the WWE. Like outside of maybe Malachi's run in NXT, where he was obviously treated well, but outside of that NXT run, pretty much nothing for the guy you know what i mean that was really worth seeing you know what i mean so like uh what i would what i would say what i would say charlie is people need to verify before they run with shit like this because just because you want something to happen doesn't mean that's the reality you know i i wanted cm punk had come back for years but i also knew that like the chances of that happening were very limited eventually it happened because a tide changed in wrestling. You know what I mean? That's what it took. It took the wrestling world being changed to get that guy back. But I, but I knew that and I wasn't going to sit there. Would I predict yeah. him on everything? Fuck yeah. Cause it was fun to do so, but I knew what the reality was and people should recognize the reality that these guys are getting really good. I mean, I mean, how, how long has this been now? It feels like it's been like three or four months now. They've been booking the house of Black really strong, Charlie. I don't know why they would have an issue. Like I'm so confused. Like, Hell, Brody ran that tournament. He didn't run the tournament, but he was the first half of that tournament in the Blue League. That was Brody's fucking tournament to win, bro. Let's be real. Absolutely. And yeah, I think that concludes a week that uh, was pretty pretty solid in terms of AW. And we look forward to next week where John Moxley and Jeff Hardy was just recently announced. That'll be pretty fun. Uh, Deanna Perrazzo and Taya Valkyrie. All right, that match is on fucking Worried Watch because I, I love John Moxley, but this, this Jeff Hardy guy's pretty old. I don't know. <laughs> we got the Dealer's Choice matches where Hangman Adam Page will wrestle Toa Leona. We have uh, Swerve most likely wrestling RVD. I hope they promote Please it. announce it on Twitter, Tony. Fuck. I hope they promote it if he is. Um, and yeah, uh, Rampage, we have Private Party versus... A top flight. We got all those luchadors we named. They're visiting. And something AEW is doing very well of right now. We also have Kyle Fletcher versus Chris Jericho. Um, something AEW is doing very well. 
not only do we have matches for this week, we have two matches for next week's Dynamite. And that is Kanosuke Takeshita versus Chris Jericho and Sting and Darby Allen versus Ricky Starks and Big Bill for the AW Tag Team Championships. I like scheduling multiple weeks out. I I personally am a big fan of that. I, I mean, I it has really to help am. sell these shows. more. I wonder if that's part of their problem, Charlie, is that they, they're advertising these shows and they'll put like persons on the graphics that probably will be there, right? Yeah. But when you actually advertise matches, I think, I mean, WWE infamously would do this and then not deliver on it, right? So it's like, if you start doing that, people are going to start like being like, oh, you're going to put this match on? Okay, maybe I'll tune into that. Maybe I'll go see that show because it's in my area. Now I know what I'm going to get, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, there, there's a couple things they need to start doing that'll uh, – but again, that's why they brought in the new COO and and I'm sure we're going to see a lot of changes to the way AEW goes about their live TV shows and how, where they book them and so on and so forth. I mean, where the fuck was Collision this week? Bozer? I've never even heard of that place. So Yeah, no, the, the news that we were getting recently that they're going to be trying to hit bigger markets, that's going to only help the show. It, it could it could be rough at Dynamite first. Dynamite two weeks from now being in Phoenix? That's well, think about it like this. It could be rough for a little bit if we don't have full arenas, right? But that either will solve itself or you'll know you'll have to stick to those smaller places for a while just until you get a bigger audience that wants to come see your shows yeah. like that, you know? It's it's Here all in Orlando, about, you, know, you know, they instead of booking Amway, which is where the Magic played, they booked uh the UCF one and it it looked great on TV. It was great there. So, yeah, little things like that. So, well, that'll be it for us, guys. Thank you very much for uh, checking this show out. We had another full week this week. Um, again, some of the news this week, uh, it went on for like some time, but it was worth it. And that's, uh, you know, you get an extended podcast because of it. It's so not every week we're going to have, you know, the most powerful man in the history of wrestling get fucking taken away with disgrace. So, yeah, I know we're at like the very end of the show, but you know what I did forget to do at the beginning, Charlie? Whatever podcast platform they happen to be listening oh, yeah. to this on, they need to make sure they hit follow and or subscribe. I can't believe I missed that. Um, and also follow us on Twitter. I'm at Bane Duke. That's B-A-N-E-D-U-K. And Charlie's at O-Charlie with an X and 7-A. If you managed to stick through this long, I mean, hey, you're probably willing to go hit us with a follow. And also at Eat Sleep, excuse me, at Eat Sleep Elite on Twitter for the podcast itself. And, you know, we'll usually hit you back with a message or response of some kind if you if you tweet at us slash message us slash whatever over there. And we're trying to build a little community over there. So make sure you hit that. And, well, that being said, I think that pretty much takes us home, Charlie. Yeah, so thank you very much, guys. And we will see you next week where we're talking about uh, Jeff Hardy and John Moxley having a fucking eight-star classic. <laughs> so we'll, I mean, we'll catch you guys later. Thank you very much.